This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. I sit down to have conversations with people to discuss their lives, their careers, hear their stories, and find out what moves and drives them. My guest today is David Martinez, the founder of the La Habra Boxing Club, an amateur boxer in the U.S. Army, a well-respected professional cut man in the sport, and a lifelong La Habra resident who grew up in the camps. David was awarded the Silver Star as an Army medic during the Vietnam War. So I, w- I told my brother, well, let's go to the barber. I need a haircut. Okay, let's go. So I went there, and the barber was, oh, nice seeing you guys, uh, this and that. And he was asking too many questions. He was asking questions like, well, what unit are you with? And I gave him the unit. Well, uh, w- w- when do you guys go back on patrol? He said, well, we're, we're, we're leaving tomorrow. Well, yeah, where are you going to? We're leaving for, and I, t- I gave him everything. Hill 88, right? Not too far. Away. Right. Oh, wow, that's interesting. What time are you guys leaving? <laughs> this guy wanted to know everything. I said, well, okay, we're leaving at so-and-so, oh, 800 or something. None of this seems a little odd to you? Not at that time. <laughs> Jesus. So anyway, when we were out there about a couple of days later, the, the, the guy was the enemy. We, we, the, he was, we, 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 we skirmish, we, he was dead. And I said, no, anyway, this, guy, a, this guy was our barber. Are you kidding? <laughs> no. You saw the dead barber out <laughs> yeah, there on yeah. patrol with a Viet Cong? Exactly. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. We've had such guests as professional photographers, coaches, and two-time Emmy Award winner Trayvon Free. I existed in a bubble that I didn't know existed because my uncle at the time was a very prominent gang member. Okay. And Is this on mom's side or dad's side? Mom. Okay. And they knew who I was because I was his nephew. Okay. So nobody messed with me ever. But does that put a target on you <clears throat> for the other team? If they know. Right. Okay. And so what it does... It's such a weird time. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> internally you're even more protected. But like outside of that bubble, if someone has beef with him or them and right. they know who you are... Go to justagoodconversation.com for all our archives. Let's have a quick break for our sponsor before getting into our conversation with David Martinez. Today, my guest is Dave Martinez. Dave, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to see you. I have been trying for years to get either you in front of a camera, but today I got you in front of a microphone. That's so just as good. Either one. <laughs> just as good. How are you doing? Doing good, except for this, uh, this heat. But uh, you know what? Uh, life goes on. You got to bear with it. You know. It could be worse. It's going to go yeah, away. I, I, I've been in worse heat. Yeah, I'm sure you have. I've been in worse heat, yeah. So... I have, like I said, I have wanted to get you in front of a microphone or camera for the longest time. I, as a young boy, grew up around the club, and we've been we've been friends. We've had a relationship. We used the club uh, with a workshop that we had, Sports Shooter Academy, and the club just recently closed. And trying to get you in front of a camera, you're such a humble human being. Thank you. Appreciate it. For a man who who's touched so many lives. I honestly couldn't, I can't even think we could put a number on all the kids now that are grown men who have kids, who those kids have come to your club Mm -hmm. that you've touched. So I've wanted to talk to you about your life for forever. So let's, let's do it. Let's talk about it. Where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in La Habra, California. I was born in Whittier. But as soon as I was born, I got the shakes because I, wa- I had to be back in La Habra. 
Uh, I've been there for all my life. Your whole life? My whole life in La Habra. How long did mom and dad live in La Habra? They uh, they were uh, first generation. Uh, my dad and my mom were born in La Habra. My grandparents, wow. my grandparents were born in Mexico. And uh, they came here uh, in the during the uh, Mexican Revolution because of the employment. Right. Uh, in, in fact, my uh, my grandfather was uh, was in bad terms with Pancho Villa, so <laughs> so he had to. He was a horse tender for him, and uh, he left uh, during the revolution. Him and my grandma got on a got on a, a train. Uh, it wasn't first class train. It That's was, okay. I, <laughs> I, I think they were they were in between the cows or whatever. <laughs> And then they went to Chicago uh, because that was 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 where the uh, uh, the central point for for trains would be at that time. They right. All, it all they all went to Chicago, and and w- once they got there, they heard that there was uh, work uh, around Orange County here, and so uh, my grandfather and his friend uh, hitched another boxcar train and <laughs> uh, w- w- with my grandmother and they this came is unbelievable. To, yeah and, th- and then they came to uh, first of all to Brea California uh, and then they settled in a camp area in other words a migrant camp in, right. in La Habra uh, and the streets weren't named you know Elm Street or Citrus Street it was named uh, the, the name of the streets was A, B, C and D Street that's it uh, they had uh, no running water inside their their, uh, their homes and what year is this? this was back in the 19th I believe 1915, 17, okay. somewhere. So early. Yeah, early, early, early. Yeah, early stages. And, wow. And uh, they had their own little community there. Uh, they had their own markets, their own, uh, not real doctors, but people, curanderos, uh, which would mean that they were more of the uh, uh, layman type of uh, medical care that they had. Right. Their own markets, a gas station. Um, they couldn't go back uh, into the uh, uh, certain area of La Habra because it was very prejudiced at that time. Sure. In fact, at that time, I think they had the uh, the clan, the Ku Klux Klan, that had uh, uh, headquarters uh, around that area there. Um, and uh, so everything was done within that area. In fact, uh, believe it or not, uh, my mom had around eight sisters and uh, eight eight Sis- sisters, and they oh, all <laughs> and the, poor man <laughs> and, they, and, and uh, four brothers. But uh, they had twelve, 12 all together. But the funny thing about that is that they, uh, my mom's sisters, they all married uh, someone within a oh gee a half mile radius of where they lived. They, they, because you couldn't go anywhere else. Right. Yeah. You, know, you were, you were stuck in that area. Like again, they had everything going for them there. Right. In other words, if there was a party or a wedding or the whole bit, there was no invitation. You were just expected. You to were be there. You're going to be there. Exactly. Did they work in some capacity in the oil fields in Brea? Because that was huge. Back no, then. no, no, no. Okay. No, that was for the white people. Okay. <laughs> uh, they worked in the orange, uh, uh, picking oranges. Okay. Picking oranges and that lemons. was big too. Yeah, all the exactly. way up into Yorba Linda, Placentia. Exactly. exactly. So what they did was a. They all had a well. They had a truck that uh, transported them, transported them to the uh, to the citrus fields uh, the, with the oranges. Right, they get picked up and right. get dropped off. Right, and the and the kids, what they would use the kids, uh, the kids would go along with them at times, and they were called uh, ratas, which would mean rats, little rats, because <laughs> all, any of the oranges that fell, we picked them up and put them back in the in the crates that they were that, that they had. Sure. So another, another, we earned a sandwich just by doing that. <laughs> no money, just sandwiches. Just sandwiches. Exactly. So then, when did mom and dad find La Habra? 
Well, they were born there. Uh, again, they met in school. It was okay. seg- it was a segregated school, uh, Wilson School, and uh, they met there. In fact, uh, most of the people that went to that segregated school, they all became boyfriend and girlfriend, and a lot of them marry each other by no choice because that's, you, that's you, you, your group. Exactly, exactly. And again, you couldn't uh, infiltrate into the, uh, the excuse me expression, but the white area of town. But, sure. Uh, and all our activities were in that uh, oh, I'd say about uh, half a mile radius. Uh, uh, in in the um, uh, right, almost in the middle of La Habra, in the middle of La Habra. Okay. So again, we had everything there. We had our markets, we had our our gas stations, uh, our dances, whatever you had. Right, the whole thing. The whole thing was right there. What's your earliest m- memories of La Habra? My earliest memory of La Habra was when uh, my dad was a driver for the uh, uh, for the orange uh, picking trucks and. And I remember just crying. I wanted to go with him. And my mother said, no, you can't do it. Wait till you're five years old. <laughs> not not two years old or whatever. Right. And uh, I remember that. And I also remember that we were really close family. I mean, especially uh, we're the more of the uh, uh, the traditional family opposed to the nuclear family because they're Christmases, uh, Thanksgivings, uh, everything. It was it was all a family uh, gathering. It was, it was, all family members were, were, uh, were invited to to go, uh, and with that, you get the closeness to to the family is unbelievable than the sure. old traditional family where, you know, well, uh, I have a son, but he, he lives in North Dakota, you know, I don't know if right. he's going to come in, but here, we all lived uh, in the same area, all the relatives, and uh, uh, it was really nice that, uh, to include the cousins, you know, sure. uh, the extended families, which we were, uh, we we were like brothers and sisters at that time. That must have been huge holiday oh, gatherings. Yeah, and, and especially the homes were Really, if you moved out of the camp area, uh, A, B, or C Street, uh, we, uh, well, my grandparents, he, my grandfather uh, built a house uh, that now had two bedrooms rather than one bedroom. Wow. And, Fancy. Uh, yeah. And that's for eight people. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, I, I, I can just imagine, especially you have no entertainment, you had no TV. You might, no TV, you, no, you, no, maybe a radio? Uh, maybe a radio, uh, but. Uh, so you lo- entertain yourselves. Yeah, but the radio was, was taken taken over by our grandparents when <laughs> of course. hearing the mariachi music and sure. all that, you know. So so there was most, more socializing between uh, family members, if not neighbors and that type of thing. Right. Um, where is that house centrally located now in La Habra? Because you uh, and I both grow up, yes, grew up there. So. Yes, uh, that's uh, the camp area. It's uh, it's down. Uh, they tore it down uh, where the migrant workers lived. Uh, it's funny. Uh, there was the showers. The community showers were on top of the little hill. So if you want to take a shower, you got your towel and just got, went up the hill. And went up the hill. They had a woman's section and a men's section. So where would that be? Like Cypress and like Whittier Boulevard? No, or, it, uh, or? no. It's in between. Um, uh, in between Cypress and. Uh, and uh, Beach Boulevard. Okay. Uh, off of Lambert, and uh, it's in between Lambert and La Habra Boulevard. Okay. So it's uh, it's centrally located there. Where was the last house you grew up with as a kid? As a kid, uh, let me see. Uh, we grew up uh, in the camp area, but this time we, uh, my parents, uh, rented a house okay. that was. Uh, it was still one bedroom with four kids. Uh, sure. And me and my brother stepped in the top bunk bed, my sisters in the, in the lower bunk bed, and my parents right next to us. Right so, next. Right, right next to us. <laughs> so uh, that was, a, believe it or not, that was up to my freshman year in high school. Wow. 
And then, uh, well, of course. Uh, so you have three siblings? I, I have, uh, yeah, three siblings. One brother, uh, two sisters. Uh, my brother passed away last year, and my sister around 10 years ago. So, okay. I, so it's just me and my sister right so now. So what was the age category? Are you the oldest? I'm the young? oldest. I'm okay. the oldest. I think it's every uh, every two years. Uh, my brother uh, was uh, two years younger than me. My sister, three years younger. I mean, uh, four years younger. And my other sister was uh, seven years. Se- seven seven okay. years. So we're all in the same Wow, so you guys are right in there. Yeah, we're all same t- uh, at the same time era, so, you know. Was that, um, to, could you, as a young boy, feel the segregation in La Habra? Really, I really didn't feel it until one day. I was involved in a summer uh, baseball league. It's called 10-inch baseball. And uh, we had a summer league, and our coach invited us to go see the uh, the Dodgers when they played at the at the Coliseum. Oh, so what's this, uh, yeah. late 50s? Yeah, late 50s. Yeah, yeah. and so, uh, of course, we went there. It was just the neighborhood kids. And, sure. and, and the one, that, and our coach was a high school, in fact, he was just out of high school, high school senior. And... Um, uh, he took us. He took us to the ball game. He, he, the guy must have been. I mean, he, he must have been 19, 20 years old. And uh, when he took me home, he asked me, "Well, where do you live?" And I said, "Well, I live over there." And it really affected me when he said, "You live there." It just kind of like, well, you could see the look on his I, face. I, I, saw, I saw the look on his face, and I said, "Well, well, well you know, no, no one ever told me that before, right?" Because all our family members. That's where we yeah, live. Yeah, that's where we live, and and it really affected me. What and, was the look on his face? Kind of a little mortified. Yeah, yeah a little shock. Morti- yeah, shock. Like you live there, and how many in your family? I said, "Wait a minute, man. what did I do wrong?" You know. <laughs> yeah. And then gradually, I. Uh, that's uh, interesting. Where do you think he thought you lived? Well, like uh, some fancy I, 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 home exactly. in the Heights. Well, well, because he did. He, he thought. He's just uh, he, he assumed, well, you know, we all live like that. Yeah. No, no, Naive don't. kid. No. And then gradually, um, in fact, on my, in my freshman year, uh, my dad bought a three-bedroom home. They bought. So we moved into the, uh, the high, high class now. We were high class. Yeah. All my friends were, you live where? And instead of, it's just, just the opposite. You live where? Now it's you live where? Yeah. It's the, same, uh, it's the same thought pattern, but in a different way. Did they feel like you were kind of leaving the, uh, the yeah. comfort well, of this more... Mexican area, yes, yes. and now you're going out to like the, well, the Jeffersons moving yeah, yeah, on up, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, they, they thought we were the uppity class yeah. now, you know. So it, uh, it's really how how people appear to think of you, you know, because it's not me. I'm still the same person. Sure, still but, Dave. Uh, but uh, no, no, to me, you're a little bit different now. So okay, no problem. Wow. But anyway, in high school, uh, we uh, lived in a three-bedroom home, and wow, we thought we lived in a castle. Right, you you uh, were in a yeah, castle. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah, really. Where was that house? Uh, the house is what's off of uh, Euclid Street on Olive Street. It was a new track uh, home. Okay. So it's a new track. Yeah, new track then. A yeah, new track then, yeah. yeah. So, what was Dad doing to... Dad was... Uh, uh, he was a uh, uh, well. He he worked in Southgate, so from La Habra, he drove okay. to Southgate with a couple of people from the area. Sure, uh, some of his friends, and he got a he, uh, he got a position of a supervisor. So, with that, uh, my dad was pretty intelligent. He used to read Perry Mason books. Wow, uh, good. So he was a uh, didn't uh, complete high school, but uh, he uh, he was an intellect. I mean, his guy was just reading self-taught, uh, self-taught and uh, reading uh, not the Wall Street Journal, but almost. But know, reading. So, but reading. He was reading. Yeah. That's best thing you can oh, do. Yeah. yeah. So he thought, you know, he said, you know, I'm going to get my, I'm going to have a little bit more money. So, and plus he was in the service, so he got the GI loan. So yeah, that, okay. that, that, that helped him a lot. So was he in World War II? He was in World War II. Okay. Now, do you 
I mean, I don't know if you had these conversations with him or uncles or aunts. How was that for Hispanics to go to World War II during it, that time? Was it, it, it was it was part of their duty. It seems we're here in the United States and we have to do our part. Right. And the war broke out and my dad was uh, 17 when he enlisted. Uh, and uh, because my uncles enlisted, uh, my, uh, my mother's cousins, in fact, uh, we had a cousin, uh, my mother's cousin got killed in, in, uh, overseas. Uh, and then uh, my, my dad enlisted, his brother enlisted, his other brother enlisted, so we all enlisted. Right, yeah, because I asked that question because Native Americans get a big uh, slice of World War II because the, they were able to use them for like the codes. Right. And then African Americans because they were segregated, but then they were like the red tails, and they they've been right. no. But the Mexican Americans have kind of been forgotten, or at least don't get recognition of World War II as I, much. I think we we got well. We were forgotten because really, outside the war and at home, we weren't really you know front frontline news. We were always right. put in the background, segregated schools. Uh, but uh, you know what? This is our, you know... Uh, this is your home. This is our home. And believe it or not, uh, my grandparents thought, you know, you you have to serve. Right. I mean, this you is gotta part of go. your, We're here for, you know, we're here for a reason. We're, we're free. And, you know, this is part of it. And um, my dad, uh, I didn't know until my dad passed away that he was a medic also. Really? I didn't know about it until I read it. He never his, talked about you it? No, he never, t- until I saw his uh, his, uh, his papers, uh, uh, separation papers, and oh, wait a minute, he was a medic too. It's funny how those guys in World War II never talked about exactly, it. Exactly. I, for years, I never knew, my grandfather always talked about World War II as funny haha he always talked right. about but he never talked about the war exactly it was always oh my buddies and i would go fishing when we were in off of taipei you know, in the pacific but we never he never talked about right any right. time ever using a gun right right it was exactly. always funny haha exactly and uh again my dad was uh was about to be shipped to uh for the invasion of japan before they stopped it when they Whoa. when they when they threw the, you know when they threw i mean when they had the bomb and right. hiroshima and uh and Nagasaki. So uh, they, uh, he was, uh, he was pretty lucky. Yes. He was, he was already on that boat, ready to go for the invasion. And uh, I read or I heard that they, they would have lost over a million people. Yeah, uh, that was Truman's uh, decision. Exactly. They drop these bombs or exactly. invade mainland China. Exactly. exactly. Maybe lose a million men, and I'm not sitting here with you. That's right. The bottom line. Yeah. Exactly. So interesting. Those little teeny dominoes. Yeah. Of life. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. Was there, did you go to La Habra High? Yes, I went to La Habra High. So how was segregation then for you? So this is like got to be in the 60s. Right. Could you see it or feel it or was it starting to become less? I, it was starting to become less because I was involved in athletics. Okay. And you're involved in athletics, they see you as a different person than if you were just, you know, a typical kid eating your tacos on lunch right. breaks or something like now that. Now you're an athlete, not, an, not an athlete. a brown athlete or exactly. a white athlete exactly. or a black athlete. And I was treated, I was treated better. Uh... Uh, I didn't really see the uh, the prejudice or the uh, anti you know Mexican type of thing because uh, us as a group we stuck together right. and we we didn't try to avoid the uh, the so-called white society but we did uh, deal with them better a sure. lot better I mean I I could have seen the, I mean I saw the difference from from elementary school to high school because elementary school you couldn't speak Spanish they didn't, uh, let, they, they didn't let you speak Spanish in school. 
But did that help you? Or at least some of the kids speaking English, so their English got better? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it was it. But I think they did it because they didn't want to. Right. They uh, did it for their reason. Right, right, for their reason. Because, look, this is an English school. You're in America. So right. You, you know, so speak English. Speak, speak English, exactly. Right. What athlete were you? What did you play? I played football and track in high school. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I ran the sprints. I don't know where I got my speed. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe being uh, crossing the border or something. Yeah. No, but you, no, but you had some speed. I had some speed. And, and then after high school. What did you play in football? What position? I played uh, free safety. Okay. And uh, the coach told me, why don't you go to, into that JC program they have at Fullerton? Really? Yeah. Did you play for Hal? Yeah, I played for Hal. We played in the Junior Rose Bowl. Oh, wow. So, and then. Uh, uh, How was that like? Okay, so you're making that transition from high school. Does, I, it, does it take a coach to tell you there's, a, well, there's additional education? Or was there someone in school that saw something in young David and said, hey? Well, my, uh, my coach told me because really uh, in high school, you, would, you, weren't, uh, uh, you, you really didn't get the four-year scholarships as much as if you would go to Fullerton. Well, Fullerton's right there. Right. And, uh, and I, 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 I went for the, for the sports, not the academics. Sure. And uh, when I went there, um, uh, I, the coach told me, okay, af- after our first year, we went to what's a, it's called a potato bowl in Bakersfield. And then uh, during that time, my coach told me, look, it, uh, I want you to run track. Well, I really don't want to run track. He says, <laughs> no, because I, 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 in fact, in high school, <laughs> it was funny. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not boasting or anything, but I, you know, I, I could re- beat most of those sprinters they had out there. That's but good. I, but I was lazy. Oh. So I'd say, well, I'll throw the shot put. No, what? <laughs> shot put? <laughs> the shot put. Here's Skitty, a 145-pound uh, kid throwing the shot put. And, and I placed in a, in a lot of... Uh, Did you really? Yeah, I placed, yeah. So you're a damn little good athlete. Well, you know what it was? I, it was... Um, I, I picked up a lot of the, uh, uh, the tendencies of these professional shot putters. At that time, it was Pat O'Brien. Or, okay. Was it Pat O'Brien? No, no, that's the actor, uh, uh, O'Brien. O'Brien, okay. Yeah. So I used his form, and I, I got it down pretty good. And they were on my case. You got to run, try the coaches. Sure. You don't want to run? No. I was just too lazy. They want your speed out right, there. Right, right. So anyway, uh, in college, uh, I, I, I had to run track. Uh, my coach told me, look, you're, you're going to run track. And I said, oh, my God, and you, you sweat too much. <laughs> <laughs> I was that type of guy. So anyway, I, I ran the relays and I ran the I – I did okay. I, I placed in a lot of uh, – in, in, a, in a lot of tournaments and shows. And and then the funny thing is that, okay, Dave, we need a guy to run the 440, which is one lap around. The, Whoa. I said, wait a minute, I can run straight. I don't want to run in circles. Yeah, here. now you're making me turn. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't make left turns that well. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I said, okay, I'll do it. But the funny thing about it was that... Uh, uh, I thought it was, I, I thought it was a sprinting uh, <laughs> right a sprinting race. So I sprinted for the first hundred yards, and after that, I had nothing. You gassed. I was like walking and to the finish line. <laughs> I said, "My God, why don't you tell me it was a, it was hard?" People passing you on the oh, turn. Oh my God, it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, if, if it would have been the eight eighty, they would have lapped, uh, <laughs> lapped me a couple of times, you know. But uh, but but you learn. But I, I again, I did uh, I did I did okay in the sprints, and then uh, we went to the Junior Rose Bowl. Which How was, was that? Oh my God! It was amazing. We, it must have been a, just an unbelievable experience. Yeah, it was at the uh, <clears throat> at the Rose Bowl. Right, uh, big thing in Orange County. Um, must have been the biggest thing you've ever. Yeah, been yeah, in. for sure. We had sixty thousand uh, people out there. We're usually we play in front of uh, 
couple of two or three thousand, but now we have fifty five thousand, sixty thousand at that game. Who'd you play? Uh, we played a team from Texas, Henderson. Okay. Henderson. And then, um, did you whip them? Uh, well, not whip them, but we beat them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we didn't whip them. They were ahead at the halftime, but before halftime. But uh, uh, I broke my hand the first game of the year. So at that time, you had you, you had a heavy cast, you know, a, a plaster right. cast, and they won't let you play. So the last three or four games, I, I, I got in there, and I started playing a little bit more. And they made me cover the fastest guy and the fastest uh, split in I've ever seen in my life. In fact, this guy played for the New Orleans Saints afterwards. Really? So they said, Dave, because of your speed, and he's fast, just keep your yardage and don't let him get beyond you. Right, and, uh, don't let him get behind, uh, behind you. And I did okay. He, he didn't score a touchdown on okay, me. Okay, that's, uh, yeah, that's all. That's all, it's, it's all I wanted. And then after that, uh, I had a couple of scholarship offers to go, you know, to go to, to a couple of universities. And, but uh, I didn't, I turned that down because that was the height of the, uh, height of the Vietnam War. And uh, I, I said I, I wanted to go to war. Really? I, I enlisted to go. Yeah. What year is this? 1966. And um, I... That's an incredible choice to make well, as a young the, man. Well, well, the thing is, is that uh, I did it because I had a friend who was a paratrooper. Okay. A guy that jumped out of planes. And I said, well, I, I want to do that. So <laughs> so a couple of the team members, they had offers too. But uh, I told them, hey, you, you, you guys want to go in the buddy system? And uh, and then in fact, well, yeah, well, let's see, if we can call another, have another guy who's at the beach. See if he wants to go for three years, you know. So so, <laughs> well, we got, we got another friend of ours uh, to join. So it was four of us that joined in. We we wanted to be Green Berets, okay? Okay. We wanted Green Berets, but we sounds heard, good. Sounds good because we wanted to go and kick some butt. You right. Know, we, we just won uh, the national championship, so you know we said, ah, well, what's our next goal? Yeah, you're high on adrenaline. Oh, yeah. let's, oh, I'll yeah, take it on the yeah, world. Yeah, let's go. Man. Ship me off. I, I hate to say this, but you know I, I want to be in the front lines and stuff. So anyway, uh, we picked up this guy. So uh, all four of us enlisted. But I'm the only one that went to Vietnam. <laughs> Where did they go? <laughs> they went to Germany. To uh, they went to uh, uh, to the states, and uh, I think another one went to uh, Spain or something. So and you get shipped to Vietnam. I wanted to. Okay, yeah, I, but I know the other three kind of. Get, yeah, right? they said uh, you know maybe we won't we don't want to go. I said <laughs> okay, well I want to go. And in fact, I. But uh, believe it or not, but uh, I was an asthmatic kid, so they turned me down. Really? I got a 4F, which is, you you know, you, you're, 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 you're not capable of going into the military. I mean, so I, you're I, an athlete. I, you're, I, I, you're I, a sprinter. Right. But somehow you don't have the health right. to join the exactly. Army. We won the national title in football. And I, I, I never had any problems. I never had any problems with my health. But they said, no, because you have a history. When you were a youngster, they had asthma. So what happened, they turned me down. They said, yeah, you're a 4F. And I went to my recruiter and I said, hey, wait a minute, man. What does this mean? Yeah. And he said, well, let, let, let me tell you what. Why don't you go back to the, uh, to the, uh, to the recruiter, I mean, to, the, uh, uh, to L.A., uh, where I know a friend who is, works as a, as a medical assistant there. Tell him that I sent you and tell him that, uh, that you're okay. So I went down there and I said, I'm looking for so-and-so. And, he said, and, he said, and I told him, look, uh, my recruiter sent me down here to talk to you. He said, well, let me, let me see your paperwork. Okay. Have you had any asthma attacks lately? No, I haven't had one for years and years. Okay, you're okay. So <laughs> You're clear. So, so, so you're clear. So here I am. We're uh, uh, ready to go to boot camp. Just like that. Just like that. So uh, what, uh, what, but what's the 
underlining like fire to decide like going to Vietnam because everybody was not yeah, wanting exactly. any part of it. And here's this young kid. Well, first of all, it's tradition. The, I had the, the family members who all went to war. Right. So, uh, it was, so me, it was easy. And then I had a friend who was a paratrooper, and he always talked about, you know, when he was in the Dominican Republic that uh, he killed a cow. You know, okay. so I don't know, how, I don't know how, how that impressed me, but it's wow. But you you're a kid, so that's right, cool. right, exactly. <laughs> and then I, uh, the 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 final straw was that uh, I needed something because uh, I, I had that high of just winning the national title, and playing more football wasn't in my in my uh, in, in my repertoire. You so. kind of felt it was tapped right, out. Right, right. So I said, well, I'm going to go the elite. I mean, I'm I'm going to be a paratrooper, and I want to go to Vietnam. I want to go to war. And so that didn't happen till later, until uh, uh, we went to uh, uh, boot camp. After boot camp, I went to... Uh, Where'd you go to boot camp? Went to uh, uh, Fort Bliss, Texas. Okay. And then from there, we went to, uh, uh, to Fort Gordon, Georgia for uh, infantry school. But they put me in the MP school. And then I was there. And I, How did that happen? Martinez, get over there. Yeah, right. You're going to MP. And I was there for a, about a week or so. I said, I don't belong here. <laughs> this he is said, not me. This is not me. No, we're all going to Germany as MP. I said, nope. I said, I want to go to Vietnam. And I said, okay, uh, let, let's see your paperwork. That's right. You did, uh, you did uh, sign up for infantry. I said, okay, no problem. So anyway, uh, I, and, and boot, uh, not boot camp, but it's called AIT. I was in infantry school. Okay. But at there, I, uh, uh, because I was an athlete, I also played baseball. So uh, they put me on the base, uh, uh, the, the, the base, the base camp baseball, baseball team. team. Right, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now you're entertaining. <laughs> now I'm entertaining. So every, everyone else is on maneuvers, uh, field maneuvers, and here I am playing Take baseball. infield, outfield? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's Dave? Oh, he's playing baseball. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I... Uh, <laughs> For a kid who's trying so hard to go to Vietnam, <laughs> they're doing everything to keep you to keep me going. from yeah. going to Asia. I, and then, uh, the, are you sure? I, I, no, no MPC. No, I told you. And uh, after the fact, I, I kind of regret that I didn't go to MP school. Not, but that's after I, if I would have came back and re-enlisted and gone into into uh, uh, my next vocation. But but anyway, uh, after that, uh, we uh, they shipped us to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, for parachute school. So I was there for about three months. Uh, parachute school. So first time ever in an airplane. Yeah, first time ever. I'm guessing it's your first time. No, 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 out, no, no, no. It was a, it was a second time because uh, uh, they flew us to. Uh, oh, you didn't have to take a train. Yeah, so they we flew you to Texas yeah, or flew yeah, you to Georgia. Right, right. And then from there, uh, let me put it this: I only landed once in a plane. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, so anyway, how did it go? What's it like sitting there, waiting for your turn? To jump. Well, it's okay until they open the doors. You open the doors and you, you look get down. sweaty. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. Because you're tied in. With all right? w- with all the training you have, you still. I mean, if it's something like that, you anticipate. Do I pull? You know, my cord or whatever, but it's pulled. Doesn't automatic. it pull for? Yeah, yeah pulls it pulls automatically, right? Because you lock. Right. Lock yeah, in we, we lock in on the line. But uh, it's it's once, still you got to get your feet to go towards the door. Well, the one thing because we're in a plane moving, we're not in a small plane that that uh, the air just pushes you down real quick. So you have to be like in a in a tight. Uh, yeah, you got to curl up yeah, like a yeah, little yeah, tight yeah, fetal position. Curl up. So if you don't, you're going to be twirling a whole bit. But uh, I'm t- I'm telling you, it's uh, it was scary. 
course. But with me, it's football was scary. Right. Track was scary. Everything. But I've, I've always wanted a challenge. I always wanted a challenge in life, and this was my challenge. So I, fin- I would say so. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> jump I, out of a plane. <laughs> so I finished that, and I went. I was assigned to the 101st Airborne in uh, in uh, Kentucky, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, okay. right side of Nashville, and I was assigned to the 101st Airborne. And I, I was there for about a year before. Uh, and during that year, you're seeing the world, or at least America, a little bit, yeah, well, trying to join. Yeah. Well, it, when I was there, they said we need medics. Uh, I wasn't a medic; I was just an infantry, infantry man. Right. Because yeah. So they said we need medics, and would you want? And they checked my score. I had a pretty good little entrance score. So they said, would you want to go to Fort Sam Houston for 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 your medical school? Uh, how long is it? It was a four or five month school. So, uh, but it's, it was intense, intense training. What are they looking for on your? testing or your records that see that you would make a good medic? Well, uh, I think they were, really it's not uh, uh, anything that I've done in football or track right, or anything yeah. like that. I, th- I think they were looking for my score, my overall score. Like just yeah. your thought G- process? G- yeah, Are you intelligent G- general knowledge, to, yeah. Right, yeah. G- just general knowledge. And I guess I did okay and they said, okay, we'll, we'll send you. I was already assigned to the airborne unit. People in, in that med school in Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, they, uh, uh, they all... Uh, they, they all got assigned there without going to their AIT or their primary okay. job in the, in the in the military. So I was there for for five months, uh, and then uh, it was pretty intense. Um, and then once we finished there, I went back to my base, uh, my home base at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And then they said uh, we were assigned to go to New York to West Point uh, to help the cadets for their summer school. Wow. So uh, it's, they picked me and a, and a couple, about four or five more medics. So now we were medics. So we were assigned to the West Point uh, uh, Hospital. How was that medical training? Uh, it was pretty intense. It was a lot of field work, a lot of, uh, uh, it, it's uh, more of a emergency uh, uh, training. Uh, you, you, you have a lot of hospital techniques, you know, how to use a bedpan or right. <laughs> stuff like that. But, uh, but they also t- t- teach you how to give injections, how to suture. Is there uh, band, like how to properly place the bandage, how to do yes, a tourniquet, yes, how yes. to, you know, above the knee, below the elbow. The, the... Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll tell you later on oh, how, boy. How, how that works. Oh God. But, uh, anyway, uh, we were assigned to New York and we were assigned for a three month, uh, it's called, uh, uh, an extension training to to help the cadets out, so we were we were stationed. Where we had our little barracks right there on the campus of West Point. Wow! So we had a lot of you know a lot of uh, weekends where we used to go to New York City and check, check it out. Yeah, I mean, for from a you know a kid from Little La Habra, this has got to be an unbelievable of journey. Course, of course, yeah. I I really haven't really been out of Orange County, much less going to New York or going to Kentucky. Yeah, you've been to Texas, Georgia, Kentucky, yeah, right. and New York, right, right? And you still haven't gotten to Nam. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'll get there now. <laughs> right, but I mean, yeah. but that's the thing. It's it's yeah. that's an incredible. So in in uh, in New York, uh, what was that like for you? It, it, just... it, it, it was a big, uh, I mean, a cultural, you know, experience. I mean, uh, when you go to New York, you always hear about Central Park. Now they have concerts in Central Park, and I'm there. Uh, the Statue of Liberty, the uh, 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 the subways, the, the big streets, yeah, yeah, the Broadway. The, I, I mean, I know it. I, I, everything that, that Harbor doesn't have. I mean, going to subway, you God, that's scary more than the plane. Sure, <laughs> that thing goes fast. <laughs> I said, "Whoa, I hope it don't crash." But uh, it, it, it was quite an experience. Uh, 
And then while we were there... Uh, the different foods that yeah. must have been available to you? Also because they knew I played football, they assigned me to drive the ambulance for the Army football team. <laughs> so uh, I was at camp with the Army football team. I, I, I got to know all the members. In, in fact, don't tell nobody, but I participated in a couple of their practices. Oh! <laughs> I wasn't supposed to. You the know, secret I, weapon. I, I wasn't a cadet now. But, right, uh, right. Uh, they allowed me to work out with them and stuff. So yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I said, don't, you know, I'm going to Vietnam. Don't, don't I ain't staying here. Don't now. put a helmet no, on me, no, or at least no. not that one. Yeah, not that one, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, uh, at that time we were in uh, in, in New York, they, uh, we got a, uh, uh, we, we had to go back to our base camp or our, our camp in, in Kentucky because we were all assigned to go to Vietnam. It was the biggest division movement ever. In other words, we took everything from our division. Every every member of the uh, of the third brigade of the 101st Airborne went, and we're talking about thousands wow. and thousands yeah. of men. Which means everything they touched, everything we, is uh, we tearing we, up and going with it. Uh, we took our pencils, we took our our nightstands, we took everything. Good lord, that must have been one hell of an operation. Oh yeah, and, and, and well, it, it was one of the biggest ever. It took many many weeks to just to get everything. We took our 141, no, not we took, but uh, our 141 transport planes. Uh, and we got on him in the middle of the night, and we slept on top of the jeeps. Cause we took our jeeps. We took yeah everything, everything. everything. Yeah. So uh, we flew to uh, to uh, uh, before we went to Vietnam. I don't know why. From Kentucky, we went to uh, to Alaska, and from Alaska, we went to Japan, and then from Japan, we went to Vietnam. And the first experience I had, and I'm telling you, we slept on top of Jeeps. We we didn't have no seats. So we just, you know, because we took everything anyway. Right, whatever space you could find that was yeah. flat-ish. So, <laughs> so we arrived in Vietnam about 3 in the morning. They opened the back doors of the of the airplane. And, man, I have never been around so much heat at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I said, this is, I mean, if it's this hot at 3 o'clock, I can just imagine at noon. <laughs> So uh, we were, uh, we all, you know, got into a little uh, uh, barracks that they gave us, and and uh, they said we're all shipping out into in the morning uh, on trucks to our base camp, and uh, it was called Phuc Vinh, which is outside of Benoit. And so in the morning we we all piled up on uh, on on the trucks and with our gear and everything, and we arrived in Phuc Vinh, Vietnam. Now you what, finally made it. We finally made it. We were there. I said, <laughs> I'm at home now. <laughs> so there they, uh, we're all assigned uh, uh, teams uh, for patrolling and stuff. And there was A, B, C, D, and E. And uh, they said, well, Mr. Martinez, uh, do you want to go out uh, with any old company? I said, I want to go out with the recon, the, the, the reconnaissance team which is a team, the one as many of us, it was all volunteer, especially the recon team, because not too many people want to be recon. I said, I right. want to be recon. So the recon team, we are more or less fewer men, so we can travel faster and uh, make sure if, uh, we, if we're, you know, we're uh, kind of like, if you see the enemy, we'll call them for the big boys to come. Right, you know, but we're looking for, for them. We're looking for them. So we used to sneak out. We used to paint our faces. We, we didn't wear helmets. We wore hats. Right. And uh, uh, from there, we... Because uh, uh, it wasn't really to be engaged. It was just to find and then bring in, right? Right, right. Uh, but if we did, we, we did engage, I, I, I had my rifle. I had sure. I, but I, you weren't looking for a fight. No, you were looking no, for them. No. But plus, I had my... Uh, I, had a, I carried a, four, a forty-five and also an M16. So I, I had two. And then, of course, my... Uh, 
my uh, uh, my medical equipment. Right, because so, so you're, you're the med on right, this. Right, right, right. And and we, we once well before we went on patrol or anything, we always uh, we had our advisor who was a physician, who was in the base camp, the base hospital, and we always talked to him about what should we do in certain cases and this and that. Uh, if he's shot to the, you know, to, to the chest, what should, what should you do? You know, we we, we could have done a thoracotomy, which is, you know, suck the blood out. Right, over. right. But uh, they said, no, just put a, a, a cellophane, a s- not cellophane, <laughs> cellophane, uh, uh, kind of like a... Oh, okay, you know, right. Like put pressure so the air wouldn't go in, you know, that, that type of thing. And uh, uh, they, uh, but you had to improvise a lot. I, I, I know because you're, you're out there, they didn't allow physicians out there. No, they're, they're too not, valuable, they're right? They're too valuable, exactly. So they let us out there. And, and a lot of times, because you're not extricated, of the, uh, the, um, uh, if, if, if someone's injured, then you might have to wait hours, if not a day, before you can take them out of there. Because the helicopters at times will not land if there's action and if it's a danger area. So it was kind of a thing that for a young kid, you know, to use your, you, you have to improvise a lot. I know, I know at times I've a uh, guy couldn't breathe and he had a broken jaw. I had to do him, give him a trach. And wow. So, and uh, from there, I, I mean, I, I used to do trachs with using a razor blade. Really? A razor blade, yeah. What was that like your first time having to... But you, well, the, the thing is, is that you either do it or the guy doesn't live. Right. Bottom line. Uh, and uh, the first time, believe it or not, I, I always say believe it or not, uh, at night, uh, we got incoming rounds, and uh, uh, we couldn't see, hardly see each other. And for the first time, I could see that he wasn't breathing because his face was all messed up. And I said, oh, this guy's not breathing at all. So in the middle of the night, I got my razor blade, and I, and I cut the throat, and I cut the trach, and I put a cannula in, which is a rubber right. tubing. And uh, I was just waiting for him to breathe. I, I really couldn't see him. But I was just praying to God that, that it worked. And it did work. I said, oh, my God, it did work. So he was breathing at least. So what happened, we put him in a helicopter. And the helicopters would not come in that late. But we took him into a secure area. And uh, when the helicopter came in, they had to, it just landed and took right off. Uh, it was called a medevac. Uh, I told him, I'm going to go with him because I want to make that sure that, that the canyon is secured. And you have to realize it's that I didn't even know it was secured because I couldn't see what it was Right, doing. it's dark. Yeah, it was dark. So up in the helicopter, uh, while we were up there, the cannula came out. It came out. So he was choking again. And I'm saying to myself, wow, you know what? I can't find it. So here he is. The kid's depending you on it. couldn't find the whole... I know. I, I couldn't find the, the, uh, the cannula. Oh, uh, it's the, somewhere... It's somewhere in the plane. I couldn't find it. It was so dark. I mean, the helicopter is so dark. So after about a minute, this guy was choking to death again. I said, my God, I have to do something. What can I do? So I'm telling you, by it was by, by Lord's grace that I thought about, why don't I reach over the helicopter pilot's uh, shoulder and take his pen out? I took his pen and I took it apart. And I put the lower part of the pen in there, and then I used the I, tube. I, yeah, yeah, the tube. It wasn't working great, but it was working. But it was something. It was something. And I said, "Oh my God, he's breathing again." So after he landed, uh, the uh, the uh, the medics took over at the at the base hospital. And um, what made you think of that? What what? That's his, I, I, even even to this day, I, I, only, I don't know. I, to this day, I don't know. Maybe it was God's will that maybe it was supposed to happen. And uh, uh, it uh, the it, only small tube in the plane, right? Is a pen, or the pen, 
and and why, why did I reach over the helicopter pilot's uh, shoulder to get it out? I didn't even know he had a pen. Because I saw that event take place in a MASH episode. Oh, did it? Yeah. Okay. Um, of course, this is years later, but uh, I think radar has to do it and Hawkeye's telling him over the over the phone or over the radio and him and the priest father whoever it was end up doing that to right, a to right, a soldier right so that's right. amazing that you had the awareness to no, be like I, I, and, and I keep saying to myself it wasn't myself I mean it, it wasn't me it was, right. it was some super, something else supernatural thing that tells you Dave and do it look there's uh, the, the only thing available is a, is a part of a pen and uh, but, uh, you know what about Forty years later, I had a phone call. It was from him. Are you kidding? No. He located me. He said, "Dave, I was trying to locate you." His wife got on the phone. He had two kids, and he still had a horsey voice. So I guess he really, after that time, he didn't have, he, he didn't get his voice back. Horsey voice is better so he, than none. He started crying. His wife started crying. We love you and this type of thing. And oh, I felt that's so. And, and I felt so. Like, so embarrassed, believe it or not. I don't know why I did. I felt like, well, you know, d don't tell me you love me. You know? Right. But <laughs> because that, that manliness that I've always Sure. Loved. But after a little while, we started talking, and, he's, and uh, he, he lived in New Hampshire. And I said, you know what? One of these days, I'll go visit you. He said, okay, no problem. So uh, uh, after that, uh, he gave me his phone number, but I never contacted him again. Oh. Because in my mind, I did it. I don't want to have no accolades. I don't want to just tell people that what I did or not. I know did. that's always been you. Yeah. Just... Well, the, the thing is, I did, I, did, I just I just felt like okay, I did it. Okay, now let's go on to the next subject. You know. Right. And uh, an, another example was. Um, well, from that, did you after that night? Did you carry two of those oh, I in carried, your pack? I, I carried four. <laughs> just <laughs> I carried shove four, them in your yeah, bag. Shove them in my bag and just and just and make sure that I have that. And and again. I was never taught that here in the states. I, I was I was taught that at the aid station, right? Where, where the physician told me, "Look, if something happens, do this." Well, yeah, they're 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 dealing with real world experience. Right. right. Back at a base, it's kind of like this is the protocol. Right, this right. is what we do. But you get a guy who's actually doing it in the jungle, where it's muddy, dirty, and in the dark and on dark, a helicopter ride. Dark, yeah. He's going to tell you how to, <clears throat> how to get it and, done. And that, believe me, that's why I've always kept my faith that, that God told me that uh, there's a reason why. He, he wanted you there type of thing. And again, I'm not boasting what I did or not did. It's just because, you know what, it, it, my faith brought me there. Right. Uh, I, an, another time uh, 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 we were on patrol, uh, uh, this officer uh, stepped on a mine, lost both legs and his left arm. And I thought uh, when I, I was in the back and when I approached him, I thought he was in a hole. But really he was just walking around in his stumps. His left arm was oh gone. His left arm was gone his, and his legs were gone. And... Uh, I approached him and uh, I just told him he was—he was like in a in, in a shock, he, in a, in a, in a, sure, and something that uh, that really it wasn't real to him. Let me put it that way. So I, by chance, the week before, the physician told me, "Look, this is a new medicine. It's called Aramine. I, I still remember the name. You have to, if something like that happens, if he loses all the limbs and, and loses blood, then you have to give it to him." Uh, it's injection. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's on a trial basis type of thing. Okay. I think it'll work. And so by chance, I was the only medic who had it. <laughs> so I approached him, and then I, I was talking to him, trying to calm him down in the whole bit. And um, I, I injected him with the, uh, with the medication, and uh, also, of course, with morphine, so, it, so right. he wouldn't be in pain. But uh, he was saying the Lord's prayer. He was really kind of spaced out, and. Uh, 
I, I gave him the injection, and so we, uh, we medevaced him after that. So he went to the base camp, and uh, we all went in the, the next day. So I, pro- I saw him, and he was grateful that, you know, what I did and this and that. Okay, no problem. Uh, after I came out, uh, I heard that he became, uh, he was on the, on the president's board, President Reagan's board of, uh, of, uh, of defense or some type of thing like that. Really? Yeah. yeah. And he became a millionaire. Without his legs and his left arm, uh, he still did it. He became an air, he, he bought his own airplane. He, be, he became a millionaire. Wow! I don't know how he did that. And then uh, uh, he also uh, um, well, what else did he do? Uh, uh, he became a family man that mar- married his. I mean, he was already married when he, when he got there. So mm-hmm. anyway, I talked to him about the same time I talked to the other gentleman. And uh, he was saying, Dave, I, I do speeches now. Uh, oh, if, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm sorry. He was also the, uh, the handicap uh, Olympian of the year. Wow. Uh, <laughs> when the winter sports, because he had, sure. a, he had a, uh, like, a, like a tub. And he, oh, he, he would do skiing with one hand? With one hand, hand yeah. in the tub and go, going down the hill. And he became the, uh, the, uh, the athlete of the year, the handicap athlete of the year, handicap. So anyway, bottom line is that I contacted him. And um, he said, Dave, you know what? I really appreciate what you did and, you know, my family. And here it goes again. I didn't want to talk to him after that. <laughs> I said, well, uh, it's okay. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk another time. No, don't you want to continue? No, no, I just, I just want to make sure that you're okay. And he said, uh, yeah, I give, uh, I give speeches right now, and I always use your name. Uh, that, that, you know, Dave is the one that's in that. And once he said that, I really cut it off. I said, oh. <laughs> I said well, nice talking to you in the whole bit. Dave, uh, let's keep in contact. Yeah, sure, we'll keep in contact. I, I didn't contact him after that. I just felt like, you know what, I did what I had to do. I just want to be reassured they're, that they're okay. They're now. alive, they're okay. They're alive, they're okay. Uh, but he did text me and about a couple of months ago. He said he has cancer now, so he might not, not be survived. Not, not, he might not survive. So I, sure. I was, uh, you know, kind of like felt bad for him. So I did contact him because, you know, Good. I, I know he needed some reassurance that, you know what, he did something in his life. But uh, maybe I felt guilty that uh, maybe I, I, I could have put the legs back on. Oh, no. I, 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 I know, know that. Sure. But, 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 but it goes in your mind. Right. I mean, the legs were blown off, actually right. blown off. And yeah, they were not legs yeah, anymore. Yeah, I know it. But, but sometimes I'm, I'm assuming maybe I could have done a little bit more. And, of course, it's not possible. But my mind works in mysterious ways. Right. You know, so. I mean, being a medic, especially in, in war, that has got to be such a difficult kind of momentary decisions on how you're assessing bodies and parts and finding people and keeping them calm and yourself calm. And right, right. Applying medical well, aid. The, the thing is, once you get injured and then they yell medic, you have to go out there. Right. Th- uh, then re- regardless of... Uh, of uh, you know, of the, of the situation, if they're firing upon you and there's a man in front of a bunker, I mean, a, a machine gun bunker, then you have to sneak over there and do something. You just right. can't leave him there. That was my mindset at that time. My mindset is that wherever you're at, I'm, I'm trying to get you. I, I, I will get you. And, uh, you know, I'm not boasting that what I did or not did, but I, I succeeded a lot of times in doing that. Wow. So it was a, it was a, it was a trial and error type of thing, you know. But something you have to do, because who, who, who else is going to put that Band-Aid on you or whatever, you know? If, right. if it's not you. Right. And uh, we had our, our uh, 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 other uh, infantrymen or other soldiers. I, 
I, I always make sure that they have a couple of ampules of morphine because I can't carry them all for them. Right. Know? So if you're injured, you, we use your own morphine. Right. I'll, I'll, I, it's in your left thigh right, pocket, right, your, right. under your yeah. bag. And, and, then, and then after they, uh, they, uh, uh, they use it, uh, we usually pin them on the, on the lapel that they did, you know, use it. Right. And so, because I have to account for all that, all that morphine, especially the morphine. Sure. You know? So it was, it was challenging. Right. So that was it. I want to turn this fan off. I can hear it. You can hear it? <laughs> yeah, I can I can hear it. If I can hear it, I don't want it to be heard. Sure. How was it for you during that time being a medic, like emotionally? Were there nights where you're hoping nothing happens so you could just do, you know, be a soldier? Because that's got to be emotionally wearing on you at some point, like constantly on the edge of like, do I, am I saving a life today or am I, you know, having to deal with someone's death? Well, the, the thing with that is that uh, because we are a family out there uh, with all, you know, all our mates. Uh, right. They're your guys. And, and, You're yeah, living with and, them. And, and, and we all have, uh, uh, we're all thinking the same thing. We're all, you know, kind of on the same, on the, on, on the same line that, you know what, uh, let's talk about other things. Let's talk about our family. Let's talk about uh, what we did uh, at home, that type of thing. So, right. Music, yeah, anything, yeah, anything, anything. Girls, yeah, exactly. whatever distracts you. In, in fact, what we did sometimes uh, when <clears throat> when we come back from maneuvers, uh, we all get together and everyone leaves us alone. The, the company people that, ne- that they don't go out, they leave us alone. And we get our own, uh, you know, we celebrate our own little, you know, uh, our own little celebration. The Mexicans from California versus the Mexicans from Chicago and Texas on who can drink the most without passing out. <laughs> that, 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 that was our mindset there. And, that was it. Yeah, that was it. And then we have uh, a tapes of uh, the old reels. Remember the old reels? Used to sure. Uh, we used to play the Mexican music and just drink ourselves to death. Uh, well, not to death, but, but you know, we, we used right. to. I mean, there was really no winners, but uh, okay, Texas won this game, but California's <laughs> coming back tomorrow. And then we go back out because knowing some of us will not be coming back because uh, once we go out, there, we're, we're, there's almost to the, uh, to, to the man that uh, not all of us will be there right. uh, the, the next time we celebrate our, our little party and stuff. But again, our, our, our mindset is uh, not thinking of death or what's going to happen that's in it. Mindset is live for today. Right. And that, that, that got us through. That got us through. Was, was the first time you had to deal with somebody in a medical situation, was it a life? Or a, did they live or did they die? Well, uh, the first time, I believe, uh, now I'm turning my, uh, the clock back. Uh, he, he he lived. He he okay. got he got, uh, he got shrapnel, okay. uh, shrapnel from uh, from uh, from uh, a napalm, and uh, he had uh, a real deep wound in his arm. So uh, we used uh, you know well I, I used some uh, bandages some, and stopped uh, the bleeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah some uh, some antiseptics and stuff. So uh, we cleaned it up, and you know that was it. Um, How did you deal with your first loss? My first loss. I cried. I cried. Uh, one of our own men, uh, real good friend. Did you know him? Oh, yeah, very good. See, that's... In fact, he was a, he was a medic also. Oh, yeah, so you're we, losing we, a yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. We were on patrol with another uh, unit, and uh, he, was a me- he was a medic for that, uh, that platoon. And uh, uh, we got friendly fire. Our own artillery hit us. 
okay. on a hill. We had uh, we had a little battle, a little skirmish in the bottom of the hill, so we called in artillery. Uh, Someone misjudged it. Misjudged, instead of giving the position for the enemy, they gave them our position. And the 105. They flipped it. They yeah, flipped my, it, and my God, you couldn't hide anywhere. No. We, we were surrounded. Hell's dropping down oh, on you at God. that point. Yeah, so anyway, uh, uh, by chance, it could have been me. Sure. Uh, we we kind of had like a triage area where we got all the people there, and one of them, the first person I approached was our, was our medic, Kenny. And he looked at me and said, Marty, he used to call me Marty, Marty, man, what's... Uh, what does it look like? And I said, oh, you'll be okay, knowing he wouldn't make it. Right. I knew he wouldn't make it because his guts were out, and I put him back in, and uh, he, had, he had a collapsed lung, and I said, oh, my God, by another 10 minutes, he won't be around. Uh, so he, he just looked at me, Marty, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, you're going to be okay. Kenny, you're, you're, you're good. Just look at me. Yeah, you're going home now. You're going yeah. home. Oh, thanks, Marty, no problem. And then after I left him, I said, gosh, Johnny, he's not going to make it. But I... Is that where you give enough morphine to keep right, him? Just exactly. Let exactly. him quietly right, relax and right. If you're gonna pass, you're gonna pass in peace. Right. And so, but I kept thinking about it because I had to treat other men, but I kept always going back to him. Yeah, you're triaging this whole right, this right. whole battle at this point. And, and, the, and the bottom line, and the principle of triage, you you have to you realize you only got certain or enough medication, enough uh, blood expanders, exactly, especially for. Uh, for people who who might not make it, so if they can't make it, or you know they're not going to make it, it's, you, you're the judge. Sure. You're just to say, well, I can't use what I got left. I got to use them the people that are going to survive. Right. And it's a judgment call that uh, they can, you kind of think to yourself, did I do right or not do right? But hey, you, you know what? You're not going to be calling 911. They're going to bring in everything else. It's just you for the next hour, two hours, three hours, maybe all night. And what you have on you. That's and it. That's it. That's it. And I and I have to give it to the people that are going to survive. Right. And or they can still keep you yeah, in the battle. Exactly. So I'll patch you up, carry your gun, and keep firing. Exactly. Exactly. And, w- and with my medic friend, I I kind of felt bad, and I said I got to give him more, but I said I can't. So it, it's a it's a challenging thing for a young sure. kid to say. You know what? Should I give it to my friend or? give it to the people who will survive. Right. And it's a, it's a challenging experience, very challenging experience. Was there a moment in time for you where you start to feel like you're a better medic? Well, you've treated maybe now with 20 men, 30 men, and now you're assessing quicker, better, reacting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're not even thinking now, it's just no, natural? No, no, exactly, because now, uh, uh, now the battle is over. In other words, my first uh, skirmish, uh, you know, people shooting at you. Oh, shoot. They're really shooting at me. Right. Your butt's puckering. You're trying to fire back and and assess aid. It's not that you get used to it. It's something that you say to yourself, you know what? I've experienced it before. I came out okay. Let me just go on and just do what I'm doing. Right. And do the best I can. I mean, I've had people that, you know, out there, you're... Uh, I had people make excuses like, oh, I have my leg broken, you know, send me back in sure. type of thing. They're limping and and, be, and knowing that it's not broken or anything, even twisted the whole bit. I just say incoming. Well, that leg sure cured. <laughs> you know, that, that leg's already cured. And, yeah, it's okay, amazing. You ain't going nowhere. You're going to stay yeah. out here. And uh, you, you, you have to you have to judge yourself. And people that uh, that go a little, not crazy, but have some some type of psychological problem out there. And I've had a couple who just, in the middle of the night, they just, you know, they just go wild. Just snap. They just snap. 
and you have to, there's no medication for him now. You just have to just not knock him out right. and say, get this guy back in, into camp. We don't need that out here. No. No. So anyway. He's uh, a bigger problem for you exactly, guys. Exactly. So uh, with that, you know, they're content to do that. Well, he shouldn't have been out there in the first place. Right. But uh, there are some that do that. I've had a couple instances like that. Sure. So. Now, at what point in Vietnam are you starting to find boxing? Uh, I didn't. So I, you don't find boxing at all? Uh, no, I, we played football with the Arvins, the, okay. uh, the v- Vietnamese uh, 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 soldiers. Believe it or not, uh, the Vietnamese soldiers were kind of not jealous of us, but they didn't. Uh, they, they they weren't our best friends. Why would you? Why? What do you think? Because uh, we're out there in their country, competing with their women. Ah, you know okay, I mean? right. And that didn't go along very very good with them. Tall, handsome, yeah, 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 yeah Mexican, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. doing the cha cha and smooth language That's and the right. whole thing, yeah. Playing our little guitar. Yeah. <laughs> but, but. It, it Have you ever a, had tequila, young lady? <laughs> yeah, it really. Uh, no, but you, you know what? Uh, I think it was, we were like, they thought we were invading their country. Sure. So some of them. I mean, the interpreters were great. But we had interpreters. Right. We're great people. But uh, if, if we didn't deal with the, with the regular Arvins that they had, then we were kind of like, uh, we're kind of ostracized. A little That's bit. understandable. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't blame them. You know, sure. If, if they were in our country, I would, I would be right. pissed off too. Right. So, how long did you serve? I was there for a year. One year. One year. Took you one year to get there. One year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really. Uh, we we had an early out. Uh, not early out. Uh, uh, my uh, 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 the date that I was supposed to leave the service was April, but I already spent a year in December. So they said, eh, "Why don't you just go home?" Okay. So I, I didn't have to wait uh, or spend my whole, you know, uh, tour of duty there, or, or t- tour of duty and then come back and say, well, you got to spend some time more in the military here. Okay. So I got an early out. So what year are you out? I was out in uh, November, December of '68. Uh, okay. I went in. I went to Vietnam December '67. Six. I came back. Right. And uh, I, I left a, lo- a lot of my members there. I mean, a, lo- a lot of my uh, kind of my. my <clears throat> my friends and um, I came back and I just talked to a friend of mine he contacted me who, who stayed over there and uh, I don't know if you heard of Hamburger Hill yes okay our, our, our unit was the first to go up that hill yeah, my, my, my friends my, my e-company and uh, <clears throat> excuse me and I was uh, kind of like uh, I, I felt guilty that I wasn't with him I, I kind of said God I should have been with him Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of felt like I missed out. I, I, I just that. You don't think you did enough? I know, no, no, no. But, but even at this age right now, I kind of felt like, wow, gosh, I kind of disappointed them because I wasn't there, you know. And I asked my friend, well, how'd you get back? Well, I got wounded, like we we all did. Right. Um, so, so most of us got either. Uh, he, we we went over some names, and he said, "No, Dave, he didn't make it. Oh, he made it, or he didn't make it, and this and that." Especially the Hamburger Hill. Right. Incident. If if you see a, a platoon or we are soldiers or Hamburger Hill or Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, right. any of that stuff, is, how does that represent for you Vietnam? For you, not not, not as much as if it was uh, it was a. a, a like the 101st Airborne, let's okay. say like uh, uh, 
Uh, I think it was a movie. Because you're there in the, in the 60s. Right. Well, a lot of times you see Vietnam, it's like the late 70s. Yeah, exactly. Or not, not the late it's 70s. Right. Well, m- most of the action took place before 1970. Right. I was there during Tet. So That must have been just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Well, the thing around about Tet is that about a couple of weeks before, uh, I got word that they needed us back home. See, my brother was with me in Vietnam. They kept you guys together? We, we wanted to. I wanted to. He didn't want to come home. Did you guys enlist together? Uh, no, no. He, he, enlisted, so he, he enlisted about eight months after I did. Okay. And right. then find you in Vietnam? and they in, put you... in fact, we were in the same base camp. Wow. But I, uh, he stayed in the, in the camp uh, he under communications. Okay. I, 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 I left the camp to go on patrol. But uh, uh, it's, it's funny how... how Oh, you you think of little things that uh, that occurred. I mean, it, it, I mean, I, I can go on readers, uh, radio, readers digest and and give you a, a couple of uh, things that kind of seem unusual. You know, like uh, uh, me and my brother when when I was back in camp uh, before I go on patrol, we used to go downtown. It's a dirt town, town. You know, sure, there, there was no sidewalks, just dirt. It was a village anyway. Uh, we went there. We kind of like uh, you know did our thing. We had a barber there. So I, w- I told my brother, well, let's go to the barber. I need a haircut. Okay, let's go. So I went there, and the barber was, oh, nice seeing you guys, uh, this and that. And he was asking too many questions. He was asking questions like, well, what unit are you with? And I gave him the unit. Well, uh, w- w- when do you guys go back on patrol? He said, well, we're, we're, we're leaving tomorrow. Well, yeah, where are you going to? We're leaving for, and I, t- I gave him everything. Hill 88, right? Not too far away. Right. Oh, wow, that's interesting. What time are you guys leaving? <laughs> this guy wanted to know everything. I said, well, okay, we're leaving at so-and-so, 0800 or something. None of this seems a little odd to you? Not at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So anyway, when we were out there about a couple of days later, the, the the guy was the enemy. We we the, he was the, we <laughs> while it was skirmish. We the, he was dead. You know, said no. Anyway, this guy a, this guy was our barber. Are you kidding? <laughs> no. You saw the dead barber out <laughs> yeah, there on yeah. patrol with the Viet Cong? Exactly. exactly. Holy. Christ. Well, you have to realize in the in the evening hours the Viet Cong had the town. We had it. Yes, we, right. We, we had it during the daytime. The Viet Cong had it during the nighttime. Right. Did he give you a decent haircut? At least? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted my money back, but I. <laughs> But but I couldn't go back. Lousy haircut, I'll yeah, kill you. Just just little funny things like that happen. Uh, God, that's unbelievable. I know it, but you know what? Uh, that's part of the that's part of the game. That's you know? war. That's war. That's war. Right. And and, and you don't realize it until after the fact. Right. And I say, wait a minute. Well, I'm like a dummy. I'll, I'm surprised I didn't give him my girlfriend's phone number <laughs> and stuff or address <laughs> at that time. But it was uh, it, it was quite a, a a funny thing. Funny thing. Jesus. I know. So you get out. Are you done? You're like I'm not real. I'm not giving another well, tour. No, I'm not enlisting. I mean, no. Uh, they wanted me to because they they were, were going to give me a rank because uh, I I did pretty good. I got a couple of good medals over there. Yes, so. let's talk about those. Okay, they're big. Okay, I, this is the part when in my research. I mean, I I think you slipped and told me 12 years ago about it, but. Being presented the Silver Star yeah. is pretty big. Well, the the funny thing about the Silver Star is that uh, because we all came, we all went at one time. We all came back at one time. So the awards that we were given were about a month or two delayed. So they said uh, they sent me a letter that uh, they were going to do a ceremony with a couple more guys that won awards at Camp Roberts. They had Camp Roberts here, in, I think, in uh, in uh, Long Beach. And it was still there, so they were going to do a ceremony, and they wanted me to go there so they can present me with a silver star. I forgot. 
You forgot the appointment? I forgot the appointment. Oh, my goodness. I, until about a week later, they sent me the silver star through the mail. I said, oh, that's right. I was supposed to be there. Awful. So I forgot about it. What was the action that... Oh, I hate to talk about it, but it well, was, uh, well, it, it was again that, uh, come on. I mean, this is Dave, it's the third highest presented award yeah. they give to someone in the military. It's big. Well, the thing is that we I've are, never talked to silver star, yeah. I guess, uh, you know, yeah. rep person who's presented it. Well, anyway, uh, it was, uh, we were, uh, uh, we had noticed that there was some, uh, action, uh, that these Viet Cong took over a village and they know where they were at. So they got the recon team against our, uh, uh, we had, uh, I think, 12 men, 14 men. So we landed a helicopter, and they started shooting at us really heavy in the wood line. And uh, uh, the, uh, our, our lieutenant, our head man, said, okay, let's approach the wood line. So we approached the wood line, and we all went down because they were just throwing everything at us. I mean, you can hear the bullets and the mortars and everything going around us. And then uh, uh, the... Uh, the, no, it wasn't the lieutenant. It was uh, our radio man uh, got hit, and uh, he wanted a medic. And we were all down. So like a dummy, I got up and started started running toward where he was at, uh, right in front of a, a, a position, a, a machine gun position. Okay. So anyway, I got there. I pulled him to the side. Uh, I don't know. I guess I was tracheotomy happy so he was he couldn't breathe again. So he lost uh, a couple of legs there. So I treated him. And uh, then someone else yelled medic, and I went to him, and they were still shooting at us, and and I was I was I was just going with my football moves, you know, trying right. to, trying to avoid the bullets, right. dodge and block, yeah, yeah, jumping yeah, here, yeah, jumping there, yeah, right. So I uh, I uh, I went to the other guy who was shot about four or five times. Then someone else, we, we, we all got hit. I didn't get hit. I don't surprise I didn't get hit, but I didn't get hit. So I treated, I was the only medic there. You have to realize we were 14, I think it was about 14 guys. I'm not too sure. 12, 14 guys. So what, 10, 12 guys yeah, are getting Yeah, yeah, getting against, uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, lead put into them? Yeah. So anyway, uh, almost, uh, they, they all got hit. They all got hit. And uh, uh, the, the, we, we, did, we didn't have no support. So... How did you not run out of medical supplies? I did. What do you mean? I did. I did. And uh, uh, I, I, I had, at, at times, well, not at times, but most of the time, we had uh, uh, our, our soldiers, or my men, carry their own blood expanders. In other words, just okay. like in the old days, they give you plasma and the whole bit. Well, this was a new thing called serum albumin. It's just like Carol's syrup. And uh, they all carried them with their plastic, you know, a little plastic container. So uh, we used that. I was lucky that they did that because they all needed their serum albumin. So, uh, you, you know, to give them the IV. And, uh, and then I said, hold on to them while I go to the next man, the next man. So I must have treated about, uh, well, all the men, 14 of us maybe, uh, at least 10 of us uh, got, uh, got, got, got hit. Wow. So with that, uh, uh, I went to where my, my leader, my officer, my uh, our, our section leader, our, our platoon leader, he, he was already mortally ill, I mean killed. Our, our radio man was killed. Um, a couple of the uh, 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 point men got, got killed. So uh, they didn't leave too much of us. Um, so we called in uh, artillery, and this time the artillery <laughs> hit, the, hit the right spot, okay? And uh, uh, it did a good job on him. And 
they didn't extricate us until maybe an hour later because they didn't want to come in to pick us up. That's an eternity. I know, an eternity. And so he was poor me trying to keep him alive. And uh, again, here we go with the principle to triage. Sure. Who's going to live, who's not going to live, you know. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was hard because we only had so much morphine. Of course, our, all our morphine was gone. Right. And uh, as far as... It's unbelievable, Dave. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's unbelievable. Well, again, I, I look back and I say, you know, to, I say to myself, you know what, uh, uh, expect the unexpected. And that was for sure the unexpected. And yeah. To just do whatever you can do. And a, a lot of times, I tell you, the faith got me through it. I have tremendous faith. I mean, my parents at home were devout Christian, I mean, uh, Catholics, and uh, a priest would visit my house, uh, our house over there, maybe three or four times a week, make sure my mom was okay. Right. And uh, well, both of her sons were there. Yes, both of our sons. And th- th- this is the one thing that, uh, that, that, uh, that I look back on and say, my God, how, how can this happen? Me, me and my brother, the first month we were there, they called us and, we, and they said, well, you know what, uh, there's an illness at your house, at, at, your, at home. Both of you got to go, go home. And this was only a month after we were in Nam. So we didn't know who was sick or what was going on because we really didn't have that good communication. We don't have the, the cell phones. Or no, the no, no, no. At there, over there, you, there's a, our communication. If you're over a, 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 a microphone or want to talk home, you always say over, this and this over. So we didn't have the communications uh, to do that. And so me and my brother were sent to, were, were sent home. And... Uh, when we got home, well, when we got to Hawaii, that's when we can use the phone. Uh, we made a stop in Hawaii, and my dad said, your sister's ter- terminally ill. She has cerebral hemorrhage. And so we went home. Is this your baby sister at yes. the time? Okay. Yes, yes. And so we went home, and uh, we stayed there for about for about three weeks. We had, we had to go right back. Sure, they're so, going to give yeah, you so yeah, much right, time. Right, right, so much time. So... Uh, three weeks, I'm surprised they honestly right, gave right, you three weeks. Right, exactly. And so uh, it was surprised. I was, I wasn't surprised, but I'm kind of, I was kind of wondering what my mother was going through. Her two boys in Vietnam. Sure. And uh, one now daughter, she's dealing with a daughter. Yeah, it's had cerebral hemorrhage. She, she was unconscious. And uh, we went to the hospital when we got home, and uh, my uncle picked us up. And at the hospital, uh, she had her eyes closed, and she was still comatose. And uh, uh, about a week later, uh, we got uh, uh, got news that you know she opened her eyes. So I said, "Oh my gosh, she's going to make it!" But then we had to go back. So huh. so we went back a week earlier, believe it or not. So we were supposed to be three. We stayed two. And uh, well, it, now I'm, I'm kind of realizing what my mother was going through. You know, at that time. Because she was very emotional. She was a depressed lady. Right. And, it's got to be uh, really know. hard. I know. it. So anyway, we went back and and uh, my sister turned out to be okay. I mean, she, she pulled she through. Pulled through. Yeah, she, she pulled through. And now it's just us coming back, you know. So, so we got around, you know, about 10, 11 more months to go. <laughs> was your mother the rock of the family? Yes, was she? she was. Yes, she was. Uh, very religious lady. A, li- a lady who believed and and if things happen, they happen for a reason. Yeah, but not not to her two boys, you know, no, yeah. that type of thing. But at, you know what? It because the upbringing of all family members go to war. Mm-hmm. All families have to pull their, you know, pull their. It's their duty. You know, it's, it's their duty to do that. Right. And I think she saw that. My dad saw that too. And so, um, 
my dad and my mom had many arguments. They didn't get along very good. And uh, but this brought them this brought them together. Sure, as, as being over overseas. Absolutely, as, especially my sister being sick. So it pulled us through. Pulled us through. That's great. We're going to be right back after a quick break for our sponsor. And so I came back and uh, I went back to school, Cal State Fullerton. I, uh, Did you have any idea what you wanted to do at that point? No, or you just, no. I'm out and I want to do something yeah, other than I, Yeah, I want to go to school. Yeah, go, go under the GI Bill. And yeah, I, that was the best thing, right? So I now they're going to give you I money. I still wanted to play football. Really? Yes. So that was the first year. Of Dick you hadn't dodged enough bullets. Now you <laughs> want to dodge men again. But but but, but, <laughs> but let me tell you the difference now. It was now I felt more like a man. You know, I said. Oh, I bet. I, I'm, I'm with kids now. And I was a little bit older. Sure. I, I have to admit. You're uh, what at this point? 23? Yeah, 23. And uh, the kids were uh, 18, 19 years old. Oh, you were a grandfather I compared know. to them. And then, I mean, you've got battle scars, and you can probably grow a beard, and <laughs> yeah, you, really? you know. And so, anyway, what happened was during that time, and we, we talked about it earlier, they they had the brown berets. Yes, in school. Right. So that's happening and, at and then, this point. And then the black Black Lives Matter, at that time, was the black berets or and Black Panthers, right? right? Black, exactly. So anyway, uh, while I, when I was on the team, the black uh, berets boycotted the the football players boycotted the team. They said, no, until we get matters straight around, we're, go we're going to boycott. And what year is this at this point? 71. Okay. 70, 70 71. But anyway. Um, so it's hot at that oh, point. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. they're, they're probably still, they're pissed about NOM. Yes, they're, exactly. You know, uh, civil unrest even at the time. Exactly. And, no, all the, riot, all the Watts riots and stuff happened in the 60s, so that's already been done. Yeah, yeah. But, and it was it was kind of like a like a new beginning to me. Um, and then the the Brown Berets, they, they wanted me to be their leader or whatever because I was in the war and the whole sure. bit. And I, I said, I don't even believe in you guys. I just came back from the war. I believe in the American flag. I don't believe in anything other than that. Because I had many people who were buried, or not buried, but they came back coffins to the American flag. Sure. So, you know, you don't spit on the flag or anything. And I saw them as that type of a person. Right. And uh, anti-American, right, right, and so they boycotted, and they wanted me to boycott the football team, and I said, you know what, I'm too old for this, man. I've been through so much stuff that uh, I, I can't deal with it. So I, I quit the team. I quit the team. Really? I, said, I, I, I don't need football. I right. I, and maybe five years uh, earlier, man, maybe I, I would have gone along. Right. With it, but not now. You caught me at the wrong time. Right. Your your life is totally yeah, different right, than it was before right, you went in. Exactly. You've seen things, experienced things. Yeah. So, Stop your childish right, ideas right, and right. see how the real world is. Right. Act as adults, not not not, right. not, not, not children. And so that transition right there brought me more into, uh, I got to do something in life, you know. I just can't be just moping around. So uh, I... Uh, after college, I, I what did you study? Sociology. Okay. So people, how to deal with people and stuff. Did so, that come natural? Did you enjoy that? Oh yeah. And now I can deal with people a little bit better. You know, I know when they're bullshitting or not. <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> I, t I tell you what that that experience got you to that point. So anyway, uh, I figured uh, you would have that degree already. Just being a medic well, in Nam, you would have been a very good. Uh, well, the the thing of that is that. Uh, I went to work with the health department. Okay. I, I did, uh, because of my experience, and this was, once, was when they had uh, the equal opportunity thing. Yes, yes. So I applied for, uh, I applied for a job uh, doing uh, a little bit of social work there. And okay. then uh, uh, they wanted uh, uh, one position person 
to work at the main office at the health department with a title emergency care specialist. And where is this at at the time? Uh, it was on Ross and Civic Center in uh, Santa Ana. Okay. Okay. So I had the office right where the health officer was. Okay. And then with the his assistant and a couple of administrators there. So I had my own desk, my own secretary, and the whole thing. said, whoa, this is good. Wow. This is great. A couple months ago, you're getting shot yeah, at. I know. Now you got I a know. desk and a secretary. So my duty with that time was to have the pilot program of the paramedic program, because we didn't have any paramedics. And really? In, in 1970. So how, so how were people transported? What was the problem? Well, you had your ambulances. You know, you that's had, it. That's it. So anyway, I was uh, uh, at that position. I was uh, involved into, uh, into writing what we did in Vietnam, principles of extrication, uh, the principles of triage, and also uh, help out with a grant to apply under the Wedgworth Townsend Act. I still remember the act. That's that, great. That uh, that I would uh, we, we would do for grants for the, the new supposedly par- paramedic program. Right. And but you're applying principles that you learned. Right. As a medic, what you the principles of what you learned on the battlefield. Now you're going to apply them to right. civilian and, life. Right. And, and, and the new program and the new yeah, paramedic. a very new program. Right. right? right. You're writing the you're right. writing the foundation. Right. And we used a lot of like the telemetry that uh, okay with the radio over there and on. Now we have telemetry for here in the states. So, did they even understand what you were trying to create? Or were you, were you speaking like Chinese to these people? I, yeah, like, listen, yeah, this yeah. is a need. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You have to realize at that time, all we had were the ambulance services. And the, uh, the and they didn't do a lot, did they? No, no, no. The, the health officer was dealing more with communal diseases and that type of thing. Right. Uh, they also had me involved in the uh, farm labor health program. Uh, that's because there were many communal diseases out there, and they wanted to me to go out there. Because I spoke Spanish and okay. to speak to the farm workers about the that was what, big in Santa Ana. What right. they, exactly what they had to do and take care of their health needs and uh, I, I used to go I, I used to do that uh, go to the uh, uh, to the labor camps and talk to them. Well, I grew up all, <laughs> right around a labor camp, you know. So did they take did they take to you? Yeah, yeah. They, okay, they, they they did it okay because usually. Uh, uh, we 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 brought them goodies. Okay, you know, you know some sweeten them up a little right, bit. Right, right. Because anytime if you got like someone in a camp like that, or you're coming out in the fields, anybody coming out is all of a sudden standoffish because right. I, I don't trust you. Right, right. And especially if even you sp- if you spoke Spanish, I don't care right, what you look right, like. Right. You're still working for the man. Right, right. Exactly. Bottom line, because a lot of them would think that are you coming to. Uh, uh, to try to me send me back to Mexico, or right. what, 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 what's your what's your real job? Why, right. why are you really here? Yeah, what information are you trying to get out exactly. of me to exactly. make it easier to get me mm-hmm. out of here? Exactly. So it it worked out okay. We uh, good. I, got, I got good rapport with them, and uh, uh, and then I went back to a little social work there, and uh, and then I retired there. So and then I. Well, you did that for a very long time. Uh, yeah, a couple of 15, 20. It wasn't really that long. 15, 20 years. 15, 20 years is yeah, a long yeah, time. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but uh, uh, I, I really wanted to get into the and do something else. I, 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 I had that urge to really not go back to war. Maybe I did want to go back to war, but to do something exciting. Again, I played football. I ran track. I went to the war, and then I come back. You're a bit of an adrenaline drunkie. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, just I, looking to. I needed something. I want to run fast. I want to dodge football players. Exactly. I want to go jump out of an airplane. Exactly. And th- th- this is where I got involved with my uh, with my cousin and family members, uh, my brother, and uh, 
we we started a boxing club. Uh, right. We we started in a garage, and then we thought. Uh, I thought to myself, wow. Well, this is with your cousin Ray, correct? Yes, uh-huh. Because we. Um, uh, uh, we were we were close, and we uh, there was a lot of neighborhood kids who weren't doing anything, and they wanted to fight each other. Well, let's do it legally. Let's do it. Now, are you still living at La Habra time, even though you're working in Santa Ana? Right. You're living still at, in, right. in the city. Right. Okay. <clears throat> I did move for a little while to Anaheim, but— uh, Okay. That's not too far. No, not too far, so— Now, had Ray been into boxing, or is that something you guys just kind no, of— No, we used to go to the Olympic Auditorium. The, of yeah, course, of everybody. Course. And we all went that there. That was and, the events. Exactly, and we needed— uh, and that, that was our highlight. And then the kids got involved with wanting to box. And I, I boxed in the military. Okay. I boxed in the military. And then... Uh, was that just kind of like a <clears throat> sign up on a Saturday morning kind of thing in the military? Or was it amateur? No, it was actually an amateur uh, 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 participation. In other words, one uh, one uh, uh, unit versus another unit. Okay. And uh, from there, it's the, until the ultimate goal, you know, a process of elimination. Right. And so I, I did that. And then... Uh, did you do any boxing before the military? No, no. Oh, I, uh, yeah, in uh, neighborhood boxing, we had an ex-professional fighter who, who had some gloves, and he used to, you know, and twice a week we used to go to his front yard and put, put the gloves on. You and you go at it. Okay, no <laughs> the problem. front yard. Yeah, it was more of a, a fighting. I mean, uh, fighting. It wasn't boxing. Right. So it was. It was. You probably of, had giant gloves on. Oh, of course. From of the course. 30s, and it's, you're it, it, swinging up. We should, we should do our windmill, and here it comes. <laughs> yeah, really no techniques. So you were just kids just beating the yeah, snot yeah, out of exactly, each other. exactly. Nobody got hurt with those exactly. gloves, yeah. though. But, but I liked it. Again, sure. I, 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 I liked that competition factor, the process of survivor, who's going to survive, you know. So okay. It, it, it became something that was, it was interesting to me because that's, that's what it was brought up as, you know, as the guy that liked competition. Right. And so. So what do you and Ray do? You guys sit down and go, I got an idea. Well, I got an idea. Let's see if we can make something well, yeah, of it. Yeah, well, we did. Uh, we started in his garage and then we noticed that uh, there was an abandoned building, uh, an old, a Catholic church. Right. Well, but but let's, when you're in his garage, how many people are showing well, up? Well, we had about uh, 20, 25 neighborhood kids. Just random kids right, in the neighborhood. Right, yeah, they, they heard that there, we had a Hey, a, a you, bag. Jim. Hey, Jose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, hey, Mikey, yeah, come on down. That's right. And that, and uh, once we did that, we did, oh, shoot. We need did a, you guys have bags? or what did Yeah, you do? yeah okay. we had a couple of bags. Once they heard we have bags in the garage, people showed up. Showed up. And then we noticed that the building was abandoned, uh, our, uh, the Catholic church there. The old Our Lady Guadalupe. Our, our Lady Guadalupe church. And, and we asked the city, what, uh, oh, uh, uh, the city was against us, first of all. Well, I can, yeah, yeah, sure. But one of the councilmen, name was Kent Roberts, said, I believe in you. I believe in you. Why don't you have your constituents come to one of our meetings, our, our council meetings, right. and uh, kind of like uh, uh, pr- present your proposal? And so we said, we did. Well, we will. So we brought in every Tom, Dick, and Harry with, with, <laughs> right, <laughs> with bandanas and, and you know, gang kids and the whole bit. And we told them, look, just come and sit down. That's all you got to do. What's this, 1980, 81? Uh, it was about 80, about 1980. Okay. So, so once we walked in, 
I think the mayor said, security. <laughs> <laughs> Who's these guys? I, I know, but then we told them, you know, after the little while, we, we spoke to them. Look, these are your constituents, you know, and you, you, you have to hear our plight. Yeah. And, you uh, might not see us in the city, but we live here. Right, exactly. And we do vote. Exactly, exactly. And we live in the area where you people won't visit us anyway, so we're going to show them who we right. are. So, uh, Isn't we, it funny you can get enough people in that neighborhood? You could have changed that oh, city course, council. Of course, exactly. So it's what it's – but we – we had this one city councilman who, who suggested we do that, and we call him our godfather because they were all against us because even the mayor at that time was saying, well, if they get together, you know how those people are. Right. And my God, after that, he just said, now we got to do it. We're going to go all the way now. So, and you know this. There was lots of those city council people that never would have gone down to Third Street exactly. or Marion. But they or, never did. Never. Never did. Never. That to go south on La Havre Boulevard and go into that area, right. not a chance. Exactly. And they probably even didn't even know about that old abandoned church. Exactly. It was just a eyesore by the tracks. Exactly. And and the city uh, was not using that building because they had the uh, senior citizen used to. Uh, uh, it used to be the senior, senior citizen place, but the senior citizen didn't want to go in that area. Oh, no. No. No, no way. You, are you kidding me? <laughs> Not a chance. So it became abandoned, and uh, and with the help of Kent Roberts. Uh, we, and that was a tough neighborhood oh, back of then. of course. Of course, yeah. You had some shooting killings there. Yeah. Uh, high proportion of the population there. Uh, gang life was yeah. right, there right there on the tracks. Right there, gang versus gang type of thing. So anyway, uh, they gave us a building on a one-year basis, uh, and then uh, report after a year, and then uh, pay a dollar a year. That's what you do with nonprofit organizations. Sure. So we paid a dollar a year, and uh, so it's not. What going kind of to, shape was it? In? It was in bad shape. It was. In, it was an old abandoned building. Right. And uh, we had to put uh, scaffolding for hanging the bags and. Uh, we had to put... Uh, Did you have to do any electrical work or water? Uh, I mean, it probably the, hadn't been operated in for yeah, 30 yeah, years. Yeah, well, the, 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 the city kind of helped us out a little bit. They said, okay, we'll help you out and, and at least put put the water and give you a water faucet. And right. It that way. And uh, later on, we were so successful. After about four years as a city manager, uh, I asked him for some showers and they put showers in. Okay. So after, right. after, after a while, they said, well, it's, you're doing pretty good. We'll do that. So we did have our support. Right. Uh, so anyway. Because uh, uh, I remember as a kid, they said, oh, yeah, there's boxing at, at uh, Our Lady Guadalupe. Right. And I was, I'm thinking, right. no, it's not. There's yeah. no boxing at Our Lady Guadalupe. Yeah. I'm there right now for CCD. There's nothing's going <laughs> exactly, on. Exactly, exactly. And they're like, no, it's over there. And, and the, that's how I found it. It's like over and the, there. And the funny thing about that is that I made my first confirmation there. Did you really? Right there, and I was, I was, I think uh, my, my baptismal was also. Oh, there. I'm sure it was, right? So yeah. it was, it was right there, and the, and I, sometimes you realize, or you start thinking, wow, man, turning back 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 the clock, I was actually baptized here. I was actually in that confirmation. I did. We had uh, 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 catechism classes here. And, right, uh, everything. Yeah. Uh, my grandparents and family members were uh, had their funerals here. Married, married funerals, exactly. exactly. <laughs> All, the, all all those things that so, happened so, in that little church. In, that, in, in that little church. What yeah. did that hold? A hundred people, maybe. Uh, well, if it's a hundred people, you you have five too many. You right. Know? Uh, it was a little thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I kind of look back and say, wow. When the lights are are down, looking and say, wow, I was here when at a certain age. Right. That but time. that was a Spanish church, though, too, back well, then, right? Well, it wasn't English. No, no. It was no. It was English. Oh, yeah. In the original. 
Yeah, no, well, no, the, the original, because the original church, Our Lady Guadalupe, burned down in the camp area. Okay. In the micro camp. So the community people, the citrus workers, all the workers, there are a lot of contractors. Sure. They, 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 they were working. They, they, they build their own houses. And so they, they said, we're going to build a church. So that old building is what they built. They built, right. They, they built it for, for, for the church. Okay. And then... Uh, uh, the diocese got a hold of it, and they said, look, wait a minute, we just can't do uh, 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 Spanish uh, uh, masses here. We're going to have to go, you know, both, both ways. right. Yeah. So uh, they did, uh, uh, they appointed an a English-speaking f- a priest, and okay. they also appointed an English, a Spanish-speaking priest. So so we had uh, uh, both so worlds. Both there. languages were right, there. Right. And then they built the big Our Lady yeah, Guadalupe. Big, yeah, because it, it, it just became too small. It right. The city uh, was too getting too big. Right, right. Because I remember talking to people that said they would have to go to Anaheim right. to get English-speaking right. Catholic churches. Right. And they went to the diocese in right. L.A. and said, hey, we need to do something. Yeah. And, the, and the rectory was right next door. Mm-hmm. And, and again, uh, because the, uh, the building was so good, I, I think they had connect. Well, in the camp area, they had Spanish-speaking priests. But then if you make your place bigger and you can get the Anglo people there, then let's go at you know English and Spanish, and the diocese got better, better acquainted with that place. Sure. So it it became uh, Spanish and, and English speaking. So you're getting city people to help you, city managers helping you. So now you're getting showers, water, electricity. Right, right, right. and uh, uh, they gave us a, a one year, two year trial basis, and after 40 years, you know, we were still there. How did it go that first year? The first year, it was uh, we had no ring. So we were doing on a. We got involved with a uh, with a wrestling mat. So we had a wrestling mat as our <laughs> ring. And then after a while, uh, the people that were involved, uh, there was five of us. Uh, we got involved, and they all worked for some like industrial person who donated money. Okay. Uh, steel fab place. They donated the uh, the material to get a ring. So we built our ring. Uh, we got uh, the scaffolding to do our bags. Hang our hang our bags down. And uh, our people knew knew what they were doing. I, I I'm not uh, mechanically inclined, so okay. I, 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 had, I I was more like a, a view an advisor, just looking up at him to do. <laughs> hey, somebody needs a top hey, guy yeah, to yeah. talk. That's right. That's right. Huh? But uh, you you have to play general uh, at this exactly. point. So like Ray was uh, worked at a metal fat place. Uh, 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 our our two other members were kind of involved with the industrial field, and they were okay. good good, good, good contract. Uh, and so it, it worked out okay. It worked out okay. Where did you get your traditional then boxing background, or did you just kind of help these want to help these well, kids? Well, what I learned as a kid, I either forgot or I just wasn't working. <laughs> so what we did was, uh, 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 I don't know. It just uh, we we can't read books or anything because that really you can't apply it to to a, a person to fight or to box. So what we did, we used to go, especially me, we used to go to other gyms okay. in the area and look at what, see what they do and see if it applies or it can apply to our people. And then gradually we started, uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it, it's a thing, you, 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 you have to uh, uh, kind of look at someone boxing, not fighting, and, get, and pick up the techniques from, 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 from their 
perspective. Not because I, I always say anyone can fight, but very few can box. Sure. And so this is why we applied the boxing techniques more so uh, by uh, uh, by being be inquisitive, going to other gyms, telling them what you would do in certain situations, and you can't pick it up or you can't pick it up. Uh, but I kind of like was so intense in trying to find out the pros and cons of it that I kind of picked it up a little bit quicker because I, okay. I, I really wanted to learn. I really, right. I mean, I boxed in the service, but I, that was just more like fighting. wasn't right. really boxing. Now we're talking technical. Te- technical, right. Feet, exactly. wrists, shoulders, Position. hips. Exactly. How to, how, how to get the most out of your body. Right. And so that's what we did. Wow. So the first year was... Pretty successful. You had a lot of kids coming we, in, or we, were you pulling teeth? Yeah, yeah, no, no. We had a lot of kids. In fact, word of mouth that you know, a lot of them were going more for the, the, uh, just being curious. Sure, that's uh, why I went. Yeah, yeah. And so after that, uh, once we we got more, uh, more, uh, uh, the coaches got more involved in techniques, and we started going to tournaments. We we have a ring now. We have we can go to tournaments. Uh, we can represent La Habra. And uh, uh, cutting it short is that uh, a couple of kids, we had three kids that came in all at the same time. Now, now get this, this is kind of hard to, to imagine, but, <laughs> but we, we, th- these three kids, I can always tell you who they are and whatever, but the, two, uh, two of them were brothers, the other one was just a friend of theirs. The, after about 10 years of them training, one became the number one Mexican uh, light heavyweight, one became the number one Mexican uh, uh, super middleweight, and one became the number one Mexican middleweight, all in La Habra, of Mexican wow. descent. So of Mexican descent, we had the top three fighters, not in Mexico, right. but, but, in here, La Habra. but in La Habra. The top three, and, and two became world champions, and the other one fought for the world title three times. And uh, that is something that uh, a lot of gyms cannot say. No. They started as little kids. They started as 9, 10, and 11 years old. And uh, they all became uh, a world contender. The number one Mexican fighters in their weight division. Wow! If you if you kind of even look at history, you can say that that that, that never happened. No, not in a normal gym. Not no, at all. No, no, of Mexican descent. The number uh, the the three top fighters, and that's when we had people come in to spar with them. We had Shane Mosley. We had. Uh, Right. Uh, uh, we uh, we were we went to Vero Beach and we took uh, with Oscar De La Hoya to training in Big Bear. He invited us to Big Bear and then he invited us to Vero Beach for his, his title fights. Uh, uh, we had Danny Green from Australia, the world champion, just come because you finished with one. Now you got two more you can go in with. Sure. Uh, we had uh, Michael Kessler from from Denmark came in with the world champion just to just, just to train with him. Uh, so. You know, we weren't very lucky at that time. And so people understand, when we say a gym, it's an old church that is so small that the ring wasn't even a, it's not an official size no, ring. No, it's not official size ring, right. So what was that ring size What was in there? It was... Uh, 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 12? No, four, no, no, no. 14? It, no, it seemed like it was a... No, no, it was, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, inside the, uh, it was uh, the full length of the 22 by 22, but the actual fighting uh, area was 16 by 16. Okay, and then... You could, you had to walk, walking by it because it was almost touching the walls. Right. It was very narrow. That's the reason why we had to do it uh, at a smaller site. It was specially made for us because, sure. because uh, any, a, a, a regular or 
a boxing ring that you use in tournaments and fights, that type of thing. They're usually uh, 20 by 20. Ours was inside 16 by 16. And it's because we we, we had especially built because we wanted didn't want to go too high because you, you'd be hitting the walls. Right. And so right. Uh, we just thought. So, so to get those quality guys, those three, and to have people come in to this place was really special. Oh, special, yeah. Special. We had... Uh, uh, we and, had Ty, Tyrell Biggs, the Olympic uh, 84 um, gold medalist. He, he came in, uh, uh, Paez, Maramero Paez, the world champion from Mexico, came in. Uh, uh, again, we had uh, our three top kids, uh, Julio Gonzalez, Librado Andrade, Enrique Ornelas, who grew up in the area. Yeah. In fact, what they did after they all were world contenders, they fought for big money. They were uh, two of the boys that were, didn't have a father. They were almost homeless. And, uh, and of course, we don't charge for them to go in. So we, uh, right. uh, they, uh, uh, they bought their parents or, or their mother uh, a, a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julio bought a ranch in Mexico where these people were almost on, on welfare. In fact, they were on they welfare. They were on welfare. Yeah, they were on they welfare. Were and, and then here they are. Living of yeah. foot. I mean, it's just not, they had nothing. <clears throat> and, and that's the thing that people don't realize, especially the people who, who shut us down, uh, shut, shut the club down. They don't realize what it did to, uh, to kids. We had kids who were being abused. We had kids that were being bullied. And I mean, let me give you a good example. Uh, we had one boy who... who like boxing. I mean, he was involved with tournaments. He turned professional. He had five brothers. All the five brothers were in federal prison except him. Jesus. It's because I believe, well, not believe, I know it's because of the boxing. Sure. <coughs> he had to run. He had to get in shape. And he was around all that violence. and, uh, and uh, But he just came out uh, to be a great little kid. His, uh, all his kids were college graduates. He had four girls, so college graduates. He worked uh, in construction. So he did pretty well for himself. He did pretty well for himself. So what I'm saying is that, is that it's, it's, uh, it's boxing who got him to the next level. Uh, it's not because of, again, the violence. It's a participation. Right. I, I had uh, one kid who had been bullied in school, uh, and his dad brought him in, and he was very shy, and, and we got him involved. This kid taught, taught, turned to be pretty good. So because by being bullied in school, came to our gym, uh, he, he's now a detective for gang affairs in the city of Whittier. Really? Yeah. And uh, we had one, one kid who became a, a, a physician. Uh, an- another two kids who were uh, also involved in uh, um, uh, the, the tournaments. They, f- uh, they fought in tournaments, and they both both became these two other other than that cop. Uh, they became uh, uh, attorneys. That's great. And I'm not saying it because of the boxing club. No, but, but, but it, it, did it, help. It, it, it didn't hurt. No, absolutely not. It didn't hurt. So those first couple of years, it's in the in the 80s. It, I mean, gangs were all over town drugs are going on and this is absolutely a haven for these kids to get away from whether it was the violence at the house or the violence in the neighborhood or the influences of other people so it was unbelievable to have this at what point is it like five years in eight years in are you seeing like this is making a difference well let me tell you a, a, a good example uh we had one kid who who I, I, I usually give to the family. If, of course, I don't charge to, to enter our doors. But right, and that was the thing. 
there was never a fee. It's no, not like no, a no. 24 hour well, fitness. Well, let me put it this way. If you, if you want to make a donation, yeah, great. Sure. We'll, we'll accept but it. But it wasn't 24 hour fitness no, where you had to scan no, in or no, anything. No. no. In fact, I used to buy them school clothes and books and the whole bit right. uh, out of my own money. Let me give you a good example. I had one kid who, who I helped the family out, but he was a gang member. He was a president of their gang. And uh, one of his gang members, his constituents, came in. And I just, I had to throw him out because he just wasn't, uh, he wasn't uh, doing things the correct way. Let me put it right. that way. So the next day I saw, uh, he painted on my, I don't know who it was, but they painted on my front door, F. David. And uh, I kind of knew who it was. Sure. So it's a little gang member who, who they, they all hang around a little, uh, uh, right outside the, uh, about, about a half a, Half a block from, from where the gym's at. Right, up the street. Up the street. Right, by Imperial Brook. So I went down there and I confronted him. I said, look it, I know you did it. I know you did it. Where, where's, uh, where's your president? Where is your, you know, the ones you right. listen to? And that kid was the one that, uh, that I helped out. That president was the one I helped out. So by chance, he was walking down the street. And I said, come over here. Look at the gym wall. So-and-so did it. And so and so had a nickname, Travieso, which is a troublemaker. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder why they call him uh-huh. that. So anyway, uh, I uh, I said, now look, you you're, you're the president here. You're 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 the leader. Why don't you talk to the kid? Oh, David, I'm so sorry. We didn't. I didn't realize you should have told me. And this, and I said, well, I'm telling you now. Telling right? you now. Yeah. yeah so deal so with it. He said, my God, you know, please forgive us and this and that. So uh, I said, okay, I just want something done. So within a half hour, here comes that kid who did it, painting it over. He uh-huh. it, it, he what, he bought the paint, the same color that the door. Right. Went went uh, to to the paint shop shop and and bought the paint, and there there he was painting the thing. And he he also said, "I'm sorry." Type. Did of thing. he? Yeah. So again, the boxing brought that influence to that kid, uh, the the president, and that president of the of the gang was uh, uh, he, t- he turned out to get a good uh, construction job we got his license in construction and, and I'm not saying because of the club but it didn't hurt no absolutely it not hurt. it didn't hurt sure in the hell influenced yeah. him yeah so we had you know we had success stories like that you know where does the cut man life become for you well the cut man life became uh, a place where well I, I I had a friend who knew I was a medic in the war, and he said, uh, Dave, I'm not gonna be in town. I want you to work a professional fight for me as a cut what man. year is this? This was in 19, uh, uh, shoot, 87? Okay. About five years after I opened the gym. Okay. So I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. What, what do I need to do? <laughs> he, said, he said, well, you, oh, you know about drugs? I said, yeah. He said, okay, just get some adrenaline. And uh, uh, just uh, once you get the adrenaline, we'll get you some some cotton swabs and Q-tips, and uh, just uh, you know just apply it when when he's cut. And I said, okay, no problem. I thought that's it. it. Yeah, that's it. See, th- this is it. Every every cut man out there thinks that that's all they have to do. But there's little things that you have to learn by being a cut man: the constriction, the dilation of the pupils, you know, the brain damage, you know, to. Uh, uh, to see the lethargic, the, the you know, make sure that uh, that they respond to you, little things like that. Sure. And then also when, when you use a cut, uh, when you put the medicine over the cut, make sure that uh, uh, that it doesn't go in your eye because it goes in your eye, that cut medicine causes a heart attack because of the adrenaline. Really? Yeah, it, it can do that. Uh, systemic approach, you know, it can go from one area to another. 
So, um, so I think uh, people th- perceive the the cut man is the guy that's got some kind of medical and swell. Yeah, they don't know, but yeah. it looks like a, a silver ice cube, and right. they're pressing against his right. face, right. and that's the cut man. No, but but there's also things. But that, there's so many things oh you do. Oh, yeah, there's you a thing. toolbox in front of you. Yeah, just, yeah, because if you if you have a cut and you end that end swell, like you say that uh, that uh, that cold metal bar. You, you apply it directly. You can't go from one area to another, like, you know, swab it down because you're just spreading the injury from one area to the other and little things like that. And so then, you're not really stopping it. You're just... Right. You're, you're just pushing from one area to another. Right. And then also, if you if you have a nosebleed, a lot of people put that damn thing up your nose. All oh, the, the Q-tip or yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Q-tip, the the uh, yeah, yeah, sitting there. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. All, all you're doing is you're is you're hurting the membrane there. You're just you're just kind of churning it up. The vital area is the tip of your nose, so it just goes to the tip of your nose. You can swab it a little bit, but make sure right. that you put direct pressure there. You push it way in there, you're doing more damage than not. Scratching his head. Right. Exactly. <laughs> also, when you uh, also when you have a cut in your mouth. Do you use your adrenaline? No. You try not to use your adrenaline because that's just like systemic. It goes into sure. your system. Be in your stomach. Exactly. And uh, it's like having a nitro pill, but it's not a nitro pill, you know. So, right. Anyway, uh, uh, there's certain So you got, you got to worry about mouth, gum lines, right, teeth. Right, exactly. And the area, because I've, uh, I've seen where, uh, in fact, I had one referee told me, Dave, I know about your experiences. You tell me when you want to stop the fight. Really? Yes. And to me, I feel, wow, thank you. I really appreciate that. So anyway, That's big I know. for a ref to understand yeah, yeah. that you're no fool yeah, in the yeah, corner. Yeah. So, you know, you're not his cousin. Right. You know exa- what you're exactly. doing. Well, I I try to. Let me put it that way. Right. But, 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 but I think I do. I, I, I know enough about cuts, about uh, certain medicines or me- medication that you use. In the old days, they used to use a Monsol solution, which is like what a, is that? It's like a su- su- super glue. Oh God! I know. <laughs> but but in the old days, you just days, kind of squeeze it closed yeah, and try it closed and it closes it sharp. But if if you have to suture, that thing's gonna, you know, it's it's that's eye, a mess. It, it might become infected because that thing just hardens up in that area. So wow, there's a lot of other things like that. What uh, makes a good cut man? A good cut, or man? maybe I guess the cut man that separates himself from the rest of them. It's one that doesn't boast about their abilities. There's a lot of boasting. Oh, I'm a cut man type of thing. But if you ask them questions, medical questions, they don't know. Uh, a good one would be uh, make sure that uh, I had one cut man who actually cut himself and used a, a certain cut medicine. Uh, it's what you use. Uh, uh, it's uh, like you use adrenaline. A good cut man will know. And this is a little. A little uh, thing that I really don't like to tell, but okay, I'll, I'll say it, <laughs> is that you got two types of adrenaline. You got the topical and you got the injectable. Okay. So, so what do you figure the injectable? Heart attacks, you know, if you have, uh, you have heart, uh, paramedics that use that. But the topical, what's what exactly, exactly what it means, topical. Okay. okay. And then uh, this one cut man came up to me, so, and he works a lot of fights. Oh, Dave. The doctor gave me some some uh, uh, some adrenaline. It's one in a hundred thousand, which is means that hundred thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand, whatever. We use one in one thousand. The hundred thousand is like putting water. It's like very just it, water. It, 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 well, they emphasize it's lidocaine and and adrenaline, but they emphasize more the uh, of the lidocaine of, 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 of the lidocaine because the one the hundred thousand one in a hundred thousand. You, but you might use water in a sponge, sponge and water. So, but the one in one thousand works better. So they're on. Look what I got. Well, he gave it to you because it's useless. <laughs> it's 
it's just well, 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 look at the big number here. That's mean. The big number means less, not more. Right. So one to one is good. Yeah. One in one hundred. One in one thousand is yeah. good. One in ten hundred thousand. It's worse. Yeah. So just less. Exactly. Know your fractions. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and a lot of them, if you ask them, well. Uh, where do you keep your, your your adrenaline? Well, I keep it in the in the refrigerator. You 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 can't put adrenaline more than maybe sixty eight degrees, and the and the refrigerator is thirty seven degrees. Sure, you know, and uh, you can't put it, have it out in the heat because the heat it just it just it's just bad it, for it. It just loses its strength. Okay, how do you know if, if adrenaline is any good? Well, you, I don't know. I just use uh, the the expiration date. No, but oh. you know that, that's what that's what they tell you. Right. And a lot of them call themselves okay. We're professionals because we know this. Yeah, but you don't know the underlying factors. The how how do you know how, how do you, how do you take care of your medicine? How do you, and what do, what, what do you store it? Uh, how old is it? Uh, uh, where did you get it from? What's the strength? They don't know that. And uh, also, a good cut man will know if, uh, uh, let's say, for instance, you have a cut. Uh, you know, you have a cut inside of a cut, subcutaneous cut, and a lot of them don't know. They just how does that happen? A cut and a cut. Well, a cut and a cut would mean that uh, it's it's a pretty 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 Is intense. Is it deep? Cut. Yes, it's deep. Just so how yeah, yeah. deep it goes? Yeah, like more, yeah, yeah, more in the eyebrow, under okay. the eyebrow. Uh, also, you got to. What know, does it take to get that? Just just the right blow? Yes. Or just yes. repetitive. More, more of a head headbutt. Oh, okay. More headbutt. And then you got to know your your uh, your anatomy. You know what what part of the body is more vascular than others? On the head, the top of the head, more vascular. So there's more vessels that that you might bleed. It's hard to stop. Uh, wow. And you know just little things like that. Uh, but a, a, I'm not saying you know I, I know more than every, anybody, but I know more than most people. Right. You had an body. insight going right. in just from being a medic. Right. Yeah, and understanding. And, and then you, I can expand on that on on uh, on the cuts. You know so. Uh, I I've, I've given seminars to like uh, the SWAT team okay. uh, of, of LA, the sheriff SWAT team. They invited me and and uh, they they tr- want to learn how to stop cuts also. Sure. And they teach me like I teach them, you know. So we're both uh, uh, responsive to each other. All right. And uh, I got a kick out of that. How did that first fight go for you? The first cut. Yeah. Uh, the well, first, the first fight. Well, not your first fight. You were the cut man. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that uh, I've been challenged, believe it or not, because I've worked with, uh, I don't know if you're, uh, uh, of, um, let me see, who I've worked with. You heard of Manny Pacquiao? Sure, sure. Okay, I worked with him. I worked. But how did the first fight go, right? So your friend asked you to fill oh, in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that go? Right? Because uh, you got to get thrown well, well, You got to get thrown into the ring. Do, do you know what? It's, it's almost like war because of, of the unexpected. You know, so what? what so let's talk about that process for you for that first one at least, and how it yeah. might evolve. Do you have anything to do with the pre-fight wrapping? Do you wrap hands? Yes, I wrap okay, hands. Okay, so you he, so Cutman wraps hands. Cutman, but usually the person that wraps his hands is his trainer. Okay, his trainer wraps hands. Okay, so what are you doing during that time when he's getting ready? When he's getting ready, I uh, I make sure that uh, I see if his skin if he has any old scars. Okay. Uh, I usually uh, put Vaseline on his face. Okay. Uh, one fighter got. Is that uh, standard? Just regular old straight well, from the. Well, let, let me tell you this. I got I, I got in trouble a world title fight, <laughs> and the fighter told me to grease his body. I said I can't. You mean just rub him down with Vaseline? Yeah, Vaseline. And I said I can't do that. He said, Why? Everyone does it. I usually do it. That's a problem. Everyone does it. I can't do it. 
and said, "I'll I'll I'll do your face and maybe your 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 neck, a little bit of your of your of your um, uh, top of your shoulders." But I I can't put uh, uh, Vaseline over your body. But now why, why can't you? Because it plugs up your pores. Okay, that's what I thought. But yeah, I just wanted to make sure that was the and the sweat cools you off. And uh, I told him that. He said, well, no one ever told me that. I said, well, I'm sorry, I did. I know I told you that. I and mean, if you want, you can have someone else do it. But under my, because uh, I'm not going to just break my, uh, my rules and say, right. okay, just because you said it, let someone else do it. But he didn't. He didn't. He said, well, that's good to know. <laughs> this, good was, this was a world title fight. What? Yeah, a world title fight. And not, it, not people letting him know. It's kind of like. That far along? Yeah, yeah. And then he's the type that uh, was getting these vitamin B shots, uh, the ones you get from Mexico. Right. And they're fat soluble. So that stays in your system. Uh, I told him, look, if you want to get a vitamin B shot, it, it might help you a little bit, but get the water soluble where you piss it right off. Right. So there's little things I tell him after the fact <laughs> because they shoot themselves with vitamin B shots and, you know, that's like drinking a bucket of lard and oh stuff. Oh, my yeah. goodness. But uh, those are little things that, uh, that I, I kind of like uh, make sure that, uh, that they know what's the right way and the wrong right. way type of thing. So that first fight, how does it go? The first fight, uh, I was nervous, okay. believe it or not. Just like going to war. Sure. It's the same thing. And, and, and the, the weird thing about it, because it was a televised fight, your first one's TV. Yeah. So so if it's... You couldn't have gotten like a community no, fight or no, something no. just down in Santa so, Ana? So, so if I do the... Uh, 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 if, if I get into the fight and something happens, the whole world's looking at me. Yes. And Who's say, the new guy? I know. It was, it was a guy. Didn't, I never heard him before <laughs> type of thing. I never seen him in the corner before. Well, the, the new guy, if he blows it, that's his last shot. Yeah. Know, probably. But uh, usually cuts are pretty easy to stop in, if it's in a certain area. Yeah. How many rounds was the fight? It was a four-round fight. It was, okay. it was a short fight. That's awesome. uh, And I, I picked them up 12 rounds after that. Okay. But uh, usually it's a, it's a thing where you just pray that nothing goes wrong because I hate criticism. Sure. And uh, if something goes wrong, then, oh, that, that guy. Not knowing that maybe a doctor couldn't even stop the blood. Right. But What's in your ringside kit? What do you have? Well, I have my cut medicine. Okay. I have uh, an end swell. Uh, do you have one or two of those? Or I, I, I have two. Shaped, okay. shaped to the shape of the, of the wound. Okay. Uh, I also have, uh, instead of a, um, a, a, a cold ice bag, I, I use like, uh, like the bags, sandwich bags. Really? Okay. Yeah, because it, it gets colder. It remains okay. colder. And then I have my scissors, my Q-tips, uh, my gauze, uh, four by four gauze, and um, uh, I build up my Q-tips with with cotton. I just don't get them directly from the drugstore. You make them. I, I make them. Yeah, I make them. Wow. And uh, <laughs> again, with the uh, uh, make sure you get the water. Uh, uh, the, the the container and the professional fights uh, where you have your, your your water bottle has to be clear. So they can see it. Yeah, so they, right? they can yeah. see that you don't put no Gatorade or anything inside. Oh, that. so you can't even, you, it's always water. That's always all you're water. allowed. That's you're not, a, you allowed. can't have right. a Coke or a nope. <laughs> nope. scotch. No. Nope. <laughs> I, I, I used to carry ammonia tab, uh, capsules, but I can't do that anymore. Okay. You you, you, you can't put ammonia in the, in the right. anymore. No, you can, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah they yeah. used to be able to do that. Yeah, they were able to do that. Now, now you can't do that. 
why is there a thought process that somehow because it, it interferes it, with the actual damage that happens to a person in other words a person has brain damage and then you do it you know he might react they're uh, back awake yeah, a little yeah, bit when they should be when they should be because there might be bleeding there right you don't know you know so so how did you then start to become like a guy in the boxing community well, to be like Call Dave. Yeah. Because uh, uh, that's a big jump from yeah, filling in yeah, yeah. to the man. Well, uh, uh, I, I don't know if you ever heard of Freddie Roach. Sure, I know okay. Freddie. Freddie, yeah. uh, Freddie uh, contacted me and said, uh, I, I heard about your experiences. Um, now, uh, this is late 80s? Uh, or in the 90s? In the 90s. Okay. No, and in fact, in the, yeah, late, later than that. No, in the 90s. Right, in the 90s. Okay. And... Uh, he said, I heard about you. Uh, you mind working a fight for us? And I said, well, yeah. Uh, who is it for? He said, well, you're, 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 you're going to be working with Amir Khan. Amir Khan was, fought for a title in Washington, D.C. I said, whoa, that's a, quite of a jump. So I said, yeah, I'll do that. No problem. So I, we, we went to Washington, D.C., uh, nationally televised, world title fight. Um, uh, it's funny because before the, we entered the ring, when Amir Khan's people said, here, Take the flag, the flag of his country. I forgot where he's from, uh, Pakistan. Or right. Well, yeah. but, so here I am, a cut man with a flag, walking, <laughs> walking inside the ring. But uh, after that, uh, we got uh, pretty well, uh, you know, worked a lot of fights. That's where I got to work with Miguel Cotto and with uh, Amir Khan and uh, uh, Chavez, Chavez Jr. And uh, uh, that, uh, that lasted for, well, about uh, 10 years or so, off and on. But then uh, it just became a point where uh, we just lost contact. All right. We just lost contact. And uh, there's no problem. Because you were doing some, weren't you doing some reality boxing too or yes, something? Yes, where... I, I did the uh, uh, the contender. Yeah, right. I, 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 did, I, I, I did the contender, uh, this last one, in fact. Uh, we, they, it was a, what, uh, about a three-month series. Okay. Uh, you win, you continue, and if you lose, you go home type of thing. So uh, our finals were at the was at the Staples. No, okay. not, it was Staples. No, it was the uh, Forum, at the Forum, and we, that was our final there. Um, uh, also, I did a little. Uh, I did a couple of commercials uh, for for what was it? Uh, Cutman uh, commercials. What, no, what are you no, possibly? <laughs> no, they. I, I I did a commercial for a, a beer commercial. Okay. I, I did a couple of those. And right. then I did a couple of B movies also. Really? Yeah, yeah. I worked the corner in a couple of B movies. What movies? What do you got? Oh, believe me, it's uh, <laughs> one was Karate Wars. Well, <laughs> boxing was Karate Wars, and uh, and then I did a uh, uh, HBO uh, uh, the um, who, who was that sports agent uh, that HBO had the sports agent. Uh, um. Uh, well, there's. Was it Don, not King? No, 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 the no. sports agent. Uh, oh, uh, oh, 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 oh. Uh, Ari, R? Yes, yes. Arliss? No, no, Ar no, no, it's not Arliss. It's, it's I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a couple for them also. Okay. So, and then uh, I, I had a couple of more offers, and they're offering more. I have more time now, so. Right. Uh, this guy asked me if I want to do a couple more, you know, uh, shots with work in the corner, that type of thing. What's the worst cut you've seen? The worst cut I've seen was uh, a fight in, in uh, Palm Springs, um, the fight with Nick, Nick Martinez. Uh, he had a cut that was all the way from the, from, the, uh, uh, from the tip of your nose 
to the almost to, almost to the eyebrow. It was open. It was a flap. It was open. Jesus. And, and in there, you can see the sinus cavities. I, I can put my Holy. Fin- <laughs> I could put my finger all the way through the nose and, and t- touch a t- uh, sinus cavity. How in the hell did that happen? It happened gradually. It started building up, building up, and then it just uh, kept tearing and tearing, yeah, tearing, tearing until. Uh, but it was a, a title elimination fight, and I said, I, I told the other trainer, I got to stop it. This kid's going to have permanent brain damage if if, if something's not done. And he's like, Well, um, well, David, you say so. Now look at it. Yeah, look at his yeah, face. So, so, so not, and so the referee came down and, why, why didn't you tell me about this? And I said, well, I'm telling you now, uh, because the last round it really opened up really bad. So the doctor came in and said, that's it, that's it. Send him to the hospital right now. Done. 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 Uh, so he, uh, that was his last fight too. He didn't fight anymore after that. It was it was that bad. Uh, the, the, the also. Uh, it just split from one side. One just, side. Oh, like, right. like a surgeon just kind right of opened the nose. Just opened the nose. And pulled off and one side. Pulled off one side. You can see right through the sinus cavity. So. Good God, that was a deep cut. Oh, yeah. That was uh, the, one, of the, one of the most. Uh, uh, there was one cut where um, it was above the eyebrow. No, no I'm sorry. Uh, it was uh, a It's bicep. like the cheek. Or the eyebrow is always kind of what you right, see. Right, 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 right. Uh, but one had the bicep. It just it just went from one area to another. It was like a... He tore it? He tore it completely. It was a title fight. And You had, don't see that much. No, no. Normally it's cuts. Right. And he was he was, he was taking the emergency and operated that. Or night. someone breaks a hand, but right, they kind of... Right, It's kind of a tender type right. of thing. Um, torn bicep? Torn bicep. What do you... There, there's nothing there, you can there, do. There, I, he didn't tell us that after the fight. And he was going like this, and we saw. I said, "What the hell?" <coughs> so the doctor came was in. Was it was it discoloring? Like, was it? No, it was torn. It was from one area to the other. Right, but it did. It, did it, it go purple? It, it, or? No, it was misplaced. It was. It was literally his bicep yeah, just b- kind of b- moved. Yeah, b- bicep was moved. It was in a different area. So they did emergency surgery that night. And uh, oh, the, the 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 head cuts are really bad. I mean, there was one cut that is called a pumper, that. The blood's flowing like every time your heart beats, the artery, boom, it just, it just squirts, shoots blood. Just shoots. Right. Every time the heart burns, I mean heart, the, 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 the heart beats. So, the, so the, the, those are the cuts that you just can't stop. You just, I mean, that's impossible. No medicine, no nothing. That's just surgery. Wow. Uh, that would help that out. Uh, so, Are there tough ones where you're like, oh, this is really deep in the eyebrow or on the cheek, and it's just like, it's not going to stop? No, it's not going to stop. It, uh, it's usually, like I said, the head's very vascular. And if you get a good deep cut in the head, uh, usually those are the cuts that uh, are very hard to stop. I don't right. care who you are. They just won't stop. Uh, also, the uh, uh, the nosebleeds, unless you have a broken nose, it, you, you can usually handle those. Right. Did you ever do uh, fight night at... Um the Playboy Mansion? Did you ever do any of those? No, I never had a chance to do I did one there. and Yeah, it was the Playboy Mansion, but it was one of the ugliest things I saw where a guy's eyelid was cut. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. And I never see, and his eyelid and I was flapping around. It was right, so right, crazy. Right. right, right. They yeah. finally stopped it because he kept trying to wipe it, but it was the ugliest thing to look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of those also. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, a, a lot of that can, can, you know, it's also internal damage, too. If it flaps like that, then, you know, you see the outside, but you don't know what's in the inside. Right, you don't know what's going on in the back in the of the back, eye. In the back of the eye, exactly. Uh, like a detached retina, you know, that's, uh, a, a lot of those happen in training. 
uh, on a fight, but also in training, a lot of that. And I, then the fight, that's when it starts right. to show? Oh, yeah, uh-huh. gradually, right. Wow. And then, uh, you know, you have a lot of long-term, uh, you know, effects uh, like the encephalopathy, you know, type of thing. You know, you've got a lot of brain damage, in fact. Right. And, uh, 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 I've I seen a lot of those, especially being in the game for, for so many years, you know. Sure. I kind of see that. feel sorry for him, but you know what? Uh, sometimes a person doesn't know when to retire. Right, and that's your responsibility. My responsibility. In the corner. In the corner. No, re- do you have after, the, after do, the fights. But do you have that conversation with a, with a trainer during a match, like as the match is going on, you're looking at it going, we're not going to stop that eyelid or that right, blood. right. What are we going to do? Yes. We, we looking at that towel? Yes. Usually, uh, the trainer is more. Um, y- your job is to stop cuts. My right. job is to let him win the fight. But I also have to be, you know, uh, 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 not, not only a, a cut man, but also a friend. Sure. By telling him no. A human being. You, you, you like, have to stop it. There's always a next time. There's always a next time. That's what you got to do. Right. I Is get, it worth losing your eye? Exactly, exactly. It's not worth it. And you know what? I've seen people who lose a fight and fight for the world title the next time. Right. It happens. It happens, yeah. It happens. Yeah. So it, it's pretty hard. And especially they say, you know, uh, father's the best, worst person to be in the corner because right. the father thinks that they're, they're fighting. And, and they want it to go a little bit longer. You know, you have more guts than 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 you think you have. Do you see that with Mayweather? Uh, Mayweather, no, because he's so good. You don't have to do that. Right. <laughs> he's really a good fighter. So, someone like that, like how how is it managing someone like that? That's such a, a loud personality. Or Tyson in the early '80s. Those kind of people where it's just it, it's it's almost a it's not just a boxer. It's a huge identity and icon. The truth. The truth is money. Right. Money. If the person's earned so much money, you can take more of that bullshit. Right. Yeah, you can take more and say, okay, you're doing good. So uh, there's people that, uh, I mean, if you have a conscience and you're really a hardcore trainer and believe in what you believe, then you would say, you know what, I can't take this no more. Uh, you know, you can move on. But You're just driving me right, nuts. Right, right. But, but when you're, you know, when you get 10% of maybe a 4 or $5 million fight, you you try to keep quiet. You can eat a yeah, lot yeah, of crap. So, yeah, you're right. All right, you're right. <laughs> uh, just just pay me till the end. Uh, yeah, after the fight, you can pay me. So okay, no problem. Uh, that happens a lot. Happens yeah. a lot. Did you ever think of getting into MMA? Uh, not really. Uh, I'm not really a true believer in MMA. Uh, Why is that? Was there a a cultural <clears throat> difference, or just it didn't? Well, with me, it's uh, 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 there's more techniques in a in a in a in an actual boxing match. Okay. Uh, usually the MMA fighters more, uh, uh, you know, they're... It's evolved a yeah, lot yeah, in the last yeah. like 10, 15 yeah, years. Yeah, it, it, it has. And maybe I'll... Uh, I'll I, I can't say I never will, but uh, it just never interests me. Okay. You really have to... Because I've been so ingrained in boxing for all my life that it's pretty right. hard to move on to something That's else. a different animal all right, of a sudden. Right, and in And in MMA... There's more cuts, you know. You get cut more, and you. Oh yeah, God Lord. And that, and that. Uh, All over their body too. Right, right. And I mean, you're not treating a foot injury. I've seen guys with broken toes. And, and that cut medicine's expensive, and it's oh. hard, and it's hard to get, you know. So, usually it's prescription medicine. Now, is that 
really restricted on like who gets it, how long you can have it, and are you signing out for certain medicines so it yeah, doesn't get yeah. in the wrong hands? Well, the thing is, people now uh, uh, you they they uh, they get it from Mexico. It's, 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 really, it's easier to get adrenaline from Mexico, and you, you can usually use that type of thing. It's cheaper and it's it's out there for you, so why not? Is there no difference? Uh, or you just have to know who your buyer is. Yeah, know who your buyer is. I trust the guy. Yes, You're not getting yes, some shady or yes, watered down. Yes, exactly, exactly. I trust more of the U.S. pharmacy than the, the, the okay. Mexico pharmacy. I mean, it's good, good stuff. And the, but you r- never know. You never know, and you don't know the strength of it either. Okay, yeah. they can cut it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they can cut it and make more money. And uh, uh, I'm a true believer in uh, in the uh, uh, in the U.S. pharmacy. Right. Especially if you've got somebody's career on the line. Right. You exactly. don't want to take a exactly. chance. Exactly. And again, I I just don't use that. I use Avatine also, not just adrenaline. That's more expensive. Uh, uh, also, people use the thrombin. It's a powdered form. Uh, uh, like I said uh, before, they used to use a Monsell solution, which is uh, like a, your, uh, uh, your uh, super glue type of thing. Right. So I, I, I kind of know what I, what I need to do. Okay. You want to take a break? Or are you okay? I'm okay. I'm okay. okay. I want to make sure you... You got it. I'm okay. Like your legs are crossed down there. No, and you're like, no, no, no. I got to pee like a racehorse. I'm okay. I'm okay. okay. I'm okay. All right. What changes have you seen then in your time as a, as a cut man with medical equipment or... I mean, a Q-tip's a Q-tip, but is there a different medical, like, I guess, solution or, or adrenaline? Or is it just basically... The tools are the tools, and they haven't really changed much. You know, they haven't changed much. Uh, you're allowed adrenaline and thrombin and apatine, and that's it. That's it. That's it. You, you can't use anything else. That's been going on for Can years. Can you reapply Vaseline? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but Vaseline, it's, I mean. You and can, that's it. It's, it. Because it's not uh, uh, a, a drug or anything. Right. Well, I've seen sometimes, I'm sure you've done this they'll put the Vaseline on the ref will just about to get it again and he'll look over and he'll be like yeah go back get some of that wiped off oh yeah of course because you look no, like no, someone no, dropped no, the no, jar on no, your no, head you can't do that because first of all it can go in your opponent's eye and then right. your eye yeah you wipe your face right, on your glove right. and you hit him and now all of a sudden you're shooting right, exactly. Vaseline exactly. everywhere exactly. no Vaseline uh, unless it's a glob then you, they will tell right. you no, don't do that don't do that so how are you balancing at this point in the 90s into the 2000s the club and your <clears throat> well, second career of a bo- of yeah, well, boxing. As, as, you know, like I said, after 40 years, I, I had to close down my club. And it's because uh, a lot has to do with the virus that's going on right now. And then, mm-hmm. and then I mean, it's, things are changing so drastically. Well, you had the fire. I had the fire. I, I lost a lot of equipment. 18 months ago? Yeah, about, yeah. About, about six months ago, I, uh, I, uh, someone broke in the gym, and they took $3,000 worth of gloves. Really? Yeah. yeah I didn't they, hear about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, they pried it, the door open. I didn't tell nobody. I said, okay. Because I was just thinking, man, I'm, I how much more can I take? And then they, they broke in again a month later. Uh, that area that, that the club's at, it's not a very secure area. No, of, it's lot, not. It's a lot of homeless people, a lot of uh, transients come, come in. You got not. the tracks right there that right, makes easy right, access right. in and out. And they, they were sleeping in between the, uh, the gym and the next door, the, uh, the Gary Center next door. And right. It just became, I can't be there 24-7. So anyway, after that, and then... Uh, so that's funny, because I remember the gangs used to, you know... Be the patrol of that oh, yeah. area. Oh yeah, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, right, because they've all kind of yeah, yeah. grown up and gone away. Right, right, and and now you have more homeless there. Right, and then uh, now they have the well, the virus. Uh, they 
now they wanted uh, uh, me to fumigate the place uh, professionally uh, with uh, $500 a shot every t- every two weeks. And then I had to pay more. I, now they got the sexual li- uh, uh, liability insurance right? because of the Boy Scout thing. Oh, uh, and, right. And now you have to have that insurance. Property taxes, uh, you have to get that. And you have to, I pay all the utilities. And I've been closed. And the service clubs that used to help me, not really much. Because usually I, 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 I pay most of the bills. But now the service clubs that were helping me because of the virus, they're not doing their functions anymore. So they can't give money. Right. You know, Whether it's the Lions Club yeah, or yeah. Well, the Knights Lions, of Columbus, whoever right, it was, right. they just can't. Right. The, uh, the, uh, the Lions Club uh, didn't, didn't have the Corn Festival this year. Right. And that hurts. So that, that hurts a lot of nonprofits. That made a ton of money right, for them. Right. And so, uh, and that money would get doled out to exactly, Boys and exactly, Girls Club and exactly, your club and exactly. senior centers. And but, but as of late, I've had people call me up crying, "Why are you closing?" And the kids, I said, "Where am I going to take my kids now?" And this and that. And with that, I I had one of my professional fighters to say, "Look, I'm going to open up a gym. Let's see what I can do." I said, "Well, if, you know, if you need my help, I don't want to run a club anymore because after 40 years, I'm I'm kind of tired." Oh, sure. That's, I, that's I, I'm, I'm tired, and now I want to live my life a little bit more, visit my, my family members who live out of state. It was Monday through Friday. It was Saturdays. Yeah, Saturdays. You had it on. Yeah, yeah. And so it it just wrecked, not wrecked, but it just took my life over. Sure. So now I, I think that it happened for a reason with the virus, uh, with the sexual abuse, abuse insurance, with the liability I have to pay now with the uh, utilities. I, it all kind of like came in one big lump, and I'm, I'm saying to myself, do I really need it? Right. Do I need this battle right, right now right, in my exactly, life? Exactly, exactly. And uh, my wife decided, no, this is it. You, know, you you got to call it. It's it's a. Was she the cut man and she threw no. in the towel for you and just said, <laughs> no. <laughs> you were in the ring all by yourself. Swimming. When I met her, she knew nothing about boxing. <laughs> but she sounds like she just called it for you right no, there. The it, way. You... It, let me give you a good story. I took her to the first fight. I took her. Uh, it was a ten round fight. So she didn't know the fighter from 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 heck, you know. So, right. So I uh, I took her to the fights and she was drinking her little wine and stuff. So <laughs> after the fight, our kid won by knockout. Before we went into the ring to, you know, to take the gloves off, she was already in the ring. <laughs> what? what? Hugging the guy. Oh, you won, you won. <laughs> I said, I, I, I think I better take the wine away from yeah. her. <laughs> so it was a funny story. You didn't, she wasn't wearing white, was she? Because you never wear no, white to no, a fight. No, you no, get no, blood no, all no, over no. you. First fight she ever went to. And I said, okay, no problem. <laughs> so. Uh, How did you guys meet? Uh, me and my wife. Yes. Uh, met her at a club. Okay. Met her at a club. Uh so after uh, school, after Cal State Fullerton? Yeah, yeah. Back after the military, after, uh, I, believe it or not, I didn't get married until I was 60. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I lived with women. I used to say right. That. I but had, the club was your woman. The, right, your wife right, was your right, woman. Right, right. I had a daughter before that, of course. Okay. And uh, I just wasn't ready. Maybe I was, I, I wanted to know her a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> but I was with her for 20 years before I married her. Okay. So, uh, uh, between me and you, uh, she uh, she was uh, involved in the music business. Let me put it that okay. way. Okay, she knew a lot of uh, artists, big time artists and stuff. So that's as smart as I'll go. But uh, that's okay. So, but but she was very. And she wasn't well known, but her but her ex was. It was it was her, it was her second marriage. Okay. So. Uh, but you got yourself a good one. Yes, yes, yeah. She cooks for me. She does everything for me, and so she put up with your boxing oh, yeah, life. Let me and... tell you. Let me tell you. She 
and then now it's a late. She wants to go. Well, not late, but uh, uh, like we went to New York for a title fight. She wanted to go. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll make enough money for you know for the fight type of thing. So she went with me. And the first thing she wanted to see was well, not the Statue of Liberty. She wanted to see Macy's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, okay, we'll take you to Macy's. Oh, boy. How about Central Park? Nope. Nope. Nope, I'll go to Macy's. And, Let's go to an apartment store. And, yeah, and, and well, she, it was Christmas and all the decorations. Oh, well, yeah, of course. And, That's beautiful. And she wanted to do that. So I took her to that. I took her there. I took her to Cancun. Okay. Uh, for a fight. And then I took her. Where else did I take her? Um... Uh, I, t- I took her twice to oh no, 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 no to Canada. I took her to Canada okay. for Montreal. And uh, Montreal's beautiful. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, she she tells people all about it when she did because she usually you know she, she she never went on on big trips until I took her. Okay. But, uh, but before that, and boxing kind of allows that because it's not just Vegas. There's boxing. Oh yeah, I, all over the world. I fought. T- I had t- title fights in Dusseldorf, Germany, uh, Dublin, uh, uh, Ireland. Uh, Tokyo, Japan. I almost every state in in Mexico. Almost every state in the United States. Right. Uh, so um, I've been I've been to quite a few places. What's the best fight you've seen? And you're working it. Working it. I think it was the. Um, uh, I was. I think it was an old time fighter. Not old time fighter. Anyway, Carlos Palomino. Oh yes, Carlos. I, I worked yes, with, I photographed him. Yeah. yeah, I worked with him on his comeback. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, he fought at the Palladium, and everyone was even the dressing room. There, uh, the uh, because Carlos was on the California Athletic Commission, so the people, the, the referee was in there and saying, "Carlos, you're you're our friend, you know. And if anything happens to you, you know, I, I would feel bad about it." And Carlos said, "Come on, can you just give me the instructions? You know, come on, right. this and that." I'm not signing autographs. Yeah, just tell yeah, me. Yeah, the whole bit. And so it was just a pleasure. Carlos is such a great man. And uh, uh, that fight, uh, people weren't looking for him to make. He was late 40s. Yeah. People weren't looking for him to do a good job, but he knocked the guy out, and he looked good. And and his celebrity friends were there because he, he was an actor. Uh-huh. And uh, celebrity friends were there. And I just got a joy of him ma- making the comeback when pe- people thought he, he couldn't do it anymore. Right. Couldn't do it anymore. And also it was hard because his last fight he lost. and uh, that, that happens yeah, to almost yeah, everyone. And that was a title elimination fight. So, I mean, he was almost 50 years old. That oh, time. my goodness. So he says, nah, no. Nah. He, 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 he did the share. But uh, that, was, that was good. And was, I, was there a fight that really kept you busy from, like, the moment the bell started till the end where you're just constantly working on this guy in a corner where you're just like, good Lord, I'm yeah. going to win a silver star again if I keep this yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, I, I think one of them was uh, the, uh, the, the, one of the big fights I did was in Germany uh, with uh, uh, Ernie Magdaleno. He was, he, was, he was a local guy and mm-hmm. he, he fought the world champion in Germany. And everyone was against us there. I mean, they started playing the Hitler song or whatever that March right. song. It was kind of like spooky. And say, oh shoot! And then we couldn't go to the ring because it was it was so like crowded with people and you couldn't get through couldn't the get fans. Through. No, couldn't get through the fans because they're all waiting for the other guy, not us. And then once the fight started, oh, because you were first to come right, out, right? right. We were first to come out and swollen up. And so anyway, went into the ring and he had about every celebrity from Germany inside the ring and. And it was nationally televised with ABC Worldwide of Sports and stuff. And uh, and this guy was a tough fighter. So from the first round on, the guy was hitting Ernie pretty well. And uh, uh, it just got swollen up real quick. He got uh, the eye swollen or whatever. 
And so, so I, you just go to work. I, I, I did double duty then, you know, make sure that the swelling came down. Uh, he lost a fight, but he was competitive. He was competitive. So uh, it made you work a little bit. Also, uh, one with... Uh, Do you like that, though, so it keeps you yes, engaged? Yes, yes, I, I, I love the challenge. At first, it's like uh, you, you have to put blinders on. You say to yourself, no, this is something that I got to, you know... I, I got a, it's my job type of thing. Yeah, you got one minute to do work. Right. And even the uh, Bradley fight, the Bradley and uh, 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 Pernodikoff fight, that was HBO fight of the year. 2013, Right, yeah. right. Uh, in the eighth round, he got cut really bad. And the referee came to the corner, we're going to stop it. And uh, so they kind of look at you and go, we're going to stop yeah, it if yeah. you don't stop it? Like, but, 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 but it was a funny thing. The, uh, the referee, uh, Pat Russell, was airborne in the military. Uh. <laughs> I say, you going to work on it, Airborne? I said, Pat, you got it. I got, I got you covered, Pat. Okay, Airborne, you tell me when you want to stop it, okay? I said, you got it. And by and by ch- chance and luck, I stopped it. They, the commentator saying, well, good job. You know. Where was it? Cheek? Uh, eyebrow? No, it was the eyebrow. It was, but it was, it was deep. Deep into, yeah, the, into yeah. the, what's worse, skin or into the hairline or well, a little bit of the? Well, inside. It's, it's a cup, it's a, because you get that fat. If you see a little fat inside of a cut, then you know it's a, uh, it's a little bit deeper than uh, okay. than, than not. So but, that's when the whiteness starts yes, to show. Uh-huh. So so you, you can tell more or less if uh, it's uh, it's a it's a bad cut. What'd you have to do? Uh, get in there real quick. Uh, make sure that uh, I clean the wound with with gauze, okay. and, and then apply the medicine. I try not to. There's some medicine you can apply with the blood, but with the adrenaline, uh, just wipe it off and then put the uh, put the medication there. But you got to jump it in real quick. Right. Yeah. You've got. You're on the clock. Yeah, right. Boom. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, uh, doing that. Uh, so again, I I, I kind of know when and, and when not to do it, you know. Because if you got two cuts, then what are you going to do? You know, and then the eyes are swollen. Right. So instead of using the, uh, using the end swell, I use my thumb. On, let's say I use my end swell here and my thumb on the other side. Okay. Uh, yeah, right, right. Push it away from No, no, you, you don't push it away. Oh, what do you do? Direct pressure. Oh, squeeze it squeeze down. It, okay. Yeah. Squeeze I'm it a down. lousy cut man. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't hire you next time. Yeah, no, no. I got to sit next to you and but, but, but again, there are little tricks in the trade that you do, you know. Okay. Like, the, like, like I mentioned earlier, cut in the mouth, you don't put medication in no, 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 no. It's because, again, it's, it's systemic and you can go one area to the other and cause more damage than not. So, and then... Uh, uh, Have there been some fights where you're looking at a guy going, oh, man, you're going to make me work all night. Yeah. I could just tell. Yeah. You got scars. Your yeah. face is all, yeah. your nose is crooked in three different it's, ways. It's especially if you have two cuts, over one eye and then the other eye. You're, you're working on both eyes. And uh, and then you have a, a, a swollen eye or a swollen cheek. You have to work on that. I leave that alone. If if the cut, if the cut's more important than that. Sure, the, right. Let's say like a little swollen cheek or whatever. I'll get to you next round. Right, I got to right. stop this bleeding. Exactly. You're not going to make it. Exactly. Exactly, and so that's what uh, that's what you do. Sometimes you gotta, you know, see what's more important than, than not. Right. So it's uh, it's it's a judgment call. Wow. It's a judgment call. So it's not bad. Over your forty years at the club, and then mixing in the cut man in between, is there any regrets? that you might have had, things you might have missed because of I got to pay attention to the club and I can't go to this fight or... Because you balanced, like it's two love affairs yeah, you're yeah, trying to balance. Yeah. I, I've, I've had I've had 
uh, when people go to the Golden Glove finals, mm-hmm. and then I have a fight that night also, or a fight during that. If it's a fight that's a, it's, a, it's away from town, then I, I I have to stay with that fighter. If it's if it's, uh, but what I usually do is I I have a standby. I I tell this person now look. Uh, you never done cuts before, but it's a four-round fight, and I'm pretty sure my fighter is, is going to win by knockout or whatever. Right. It's a, it, it, in other words, it's a an A fighter versus a B fighter. Then I, I usually go with the if it's a Golden Glove guy that's in the finals or semifinals, I'll go with him. Sure. Because there's more in the long run. There's going to be a good opportunity that he'll get more of a standing or or ranking if he wins the Golden Gloves mm-hmm. in a four-round fight. And I know and I know the kid's going to be doing good. I usually have someone standing or or a person who knows how to do cuts. Right. I have a friend who's also a cut man, and I'll tell him, no, why don't you go with him? Cover me. Yeah. In yep. fact, that's, I've done that a couple of times where my, my own professional fighter uh, has a fight, and I have a title fight out of, out of, out of state, and I'll, I'll go with that title fight because I trust my cut man. Right. And, and usually those people are also on their trainer slash cut man. Pulling double duty. Yeah, double duty, right. <laughs> but again, if, if I send a cut man and, uh, the, and, and the cut man will be a chief second, I, I know that that cut man is also a trainer. So I, that makes sense. I, I, I cover both, of that, both angles on that. Wow. I cannot thank you enough for your time. I cannot thank you enough for what you've done for the community, for all the boys and girls that have been into the club, all the old men who've been in there and try to get back in shape yeah. and relive their glory days. Right. You know, your service to this country is unbelievable. It's finally nice to actually hear the story instead of, you know, fighting you in your chair in the back room to talk about it, you know? Well, you're one of the very few that I, that I do tell my story about, this, especially the military. Right. Yeah, well, I, I, I hope several million people hear this podcast. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, it's a wonderful unbelievable thing you were able to do and you're still doing it yeah yeah well again it's uh it's something that's ingrained with me i've always liked that challenge ever since uh, playing football and uh and carry me through the military and carry me through my jobs that i used to have uh uh retired now i kind of lay back now and just start thinking about about doing things that i didn't have the opportunity to do before visit my daughter who lives out of state, uh, spend more time with my immediate family here, uh, so that type of thing. Good for you. Well, appreciate it. David Martinez, you're, a, you're an angel. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, that's what my wife says. So, uh, <laughs> thank you, Matt. Appreciate you're the best. It. Thank you, Matt. All right. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. Please subscribe and hit the like button where you just listened. You can